Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Joking Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark, and as always, enjoyed by Matthew. Hello. Ah, Nathan. What's up? What? What's up? What's up? Like um, you've been drinking again. Coffee. You've been drinking again, haven't you? No, I have. A, I have a cherry lemonade and vodka. a coffee. And a yeah. coffee. It's vodka. Now this wow. time, this, this is uh, this is a bit restrained for you. It's cold. I need something to warm me up a bit, so I thought I'd make a coffee. Is it decaf? No. No. Good. Swear at me. Good. Exactly. He's not a schwein. Yeah. Not a schmuck. Right. No. Shall we get on to the news then? Let's do it. Mm. Shall we begin with um, probably one of the biggest stories we've heard since the, uh, the last episode concerning Bayonetta 3? Mm, yeah. Mm. This is a bit of a doozy. Trouble's been a brewing. Yep. So shall we just run through what all, what, what what's cracked off here? Yep. Yeah. Start from the beginning. So back in early October, I believe it was, it was announced that voice actor Helena, is that Helena Taylor? Helena Taylor, yeah. Uh, would not be returning to voice Bayonetta in the third installment that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And she then subsequently took to Twitter last, it was either Sunday or Monday, something like that. Yeah. And she posted a series of videos, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, basically trying to explain why she's not returning. And she started off by saying, I've got an outline of the things she said here. She said that the Bayonetta series has earned $450 million, I think she said. In total. Okay. What, sales worldwide? Yes, I believe okay. so. In total, over like the series. Yeah. And, and she stated that apparently she was only offered $4,000 as a flat rate for the whole game. To reprise a role in Bayonetta 3. Hmm, that seems a bit low. Sure, yeah. I think we can all agree that, that that's terrible. No. That, that is shocking, that. You've got to uh, think for how long you'd be recording for that kind of a role. You'd be there for quite a few, good number of hours, wouldn't you? So. Well, then she went on uh, and asked fans to boycott the game when it comes out and instead offer their money to charity. And then she went on to point out about how our higher-ups in companies cream money off the top and everyone else gets a pittance. Mm. I mean, we don't think we can all... I think we can all agree with that. Well, well <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that's, that's no secret, is it? <laughs> Welcome to business. They want to make a profit. Uh, but then she also saw, uh, said that she had she had suffered from depression at times and uh, uh, had felt suicidal. I mean, it's not something mm. you want to hear. Um, but then she said she didn't care about any NDAs. Uh, because she didn't have anything that could be taken away. She was required to audition again, although she understood the reason behind having to audition, because voices change over time and things like that. No. But she passed with flying colours, um, but then she was sent an insulting offer, as she describes it. And then she wrote to Hideki Kamiya, who is the founder of Platinum Games, and was the creator of Bayonetta. Yeah, probably, yeah. I think that's who it was. Um, so, he wrote, so she wrote a letter to him, Got a, Jap- got a friend in Japan to translate it and uh, she got a reply saying uh, he greatly valued her contribution to the game and the fans really want her to voice the character and the memory of first meeting her he holds dear and uh, she claimed Pathland Games gave the reason to the public that her latest schedule was too busy and that's why she wouldn't be reprising the role as opposed to any money monetary issues but then she just said that the new voice actress who's Jennifer Hale very political mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she, I mean, she didn't say her by name, but clearly insinuating now. Uh, mm. She said that she had no right to call herself Bayonetta or to be able to sign any merchandise. So, dig. And then she finished with some Bible quote about aimed at five fat cats and company big wigs and that kind of thing. Mm. So then everyone was just like, everyone was just like on her side, weren't they? Saying, oh, this is, this is deplorable, this is awful. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few uh, Twitter people, I suppose, that, that I follow that were pretty enraged in, in when they found this out and were pretty much sort of on, on board with the boycott banner sort of bandwagon, I suppose. And there's a lot of voice actors in particular were saying that this this is not really unusual to them. They've experienced mm. this kind of thing where they've been they feel like they've been underpaid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then the story rumbled on. And following this, Hideki Kamiya posted a tweet saying the following. Sad and deplorable about the attitude of untruth. That's what all I can tell now. So he clearly has got Pretty issues cryptic. with her statement. <laughs> yep. And then Jennifer Hale herself posted a statement on Twitter. She said, uh, with regard to Bayonetta 3, as a long-time member of the voice actor community, I support every actor's right to be paid well, and I've advocated consistently for this for years. Anyone who knows me or has followed my career will know that I have great respect for my peers and that I am an advocate for all members of the community. I'm under an NDA and I'm not at liberty to speak regarding this situation. My reputation speaks for itself. I sincerely ask that everyone keep in mind that this game has been created by an entire team of hardworking, dedicated people, and I hope everyone will keep an open mind about what we've created. Finally, I hope that everyone involved may resolve their differences in an amicable and respectful way, with love and respect to you all, Jennifer Hale. But then, but then, the plot thickened big, didn't it? Pretty bigly, and um, in in a very, uh, probably unexpected as well, but from who it is from, this uh, the, the news update, it's, uh, it's definitely muddled the waters quite a bit, we should say. Yes, as it's just. So, our friend Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, uh, they did, he did an investigation into all this. Mm. And in a report that they did, it states that two sources who are familiar with the negotiations and was corroborated by documentation have said that the, the developers really did want Helena to reprise the role. And they, this is the key bit. They sought to hire her for at least five recording sessions, paying $3,000 to $4,000 per four-hour session, which would make it at least 15000 in total. Yeah. But that was rejected by Helena, the power line. Mm-hmm. And she apparently asked for a six-figure sum. Mm-hmm. As well as compensation fees or residuals, I think they call them, isn't it? Yeah, residuals. I'm unfamiliar with what they are, but you seem to have explained it quite well. Which uh, Platinum Games then declined. There was lengthy negotiations, fell through, and then they began searching for a replacement. And she was even apparently asked to voice a cameo as well. And mm. uh, she even declined that. Uh, but when asked to comment on this, Taylor said it was an absolute lie and Platinum was trying to save their ass and the game. But other journalists chimed in and have corroborated Jason's report as well. So it's all yes, getting very messy, believe, isn't it? Um, I, think it's, and I think Andy Robinson from videogamechronicles.com um, also kind of confirmed with his own sort of sources that this is what he heard of as well with Jason. Mm. I mean, there is a serious point to be made here. I mean, 
I think it's become evident that voice acting is underpaid. Yeah, well, with all the other voice actors coming out and pretty much saying that's what the industry's like. If this turns out she's lying about this, that's not going to help the cause, is it? That's the problem here. No, definitely not. Do, do, do we think it, when you get to a third game, obviously it's got popular and she was expecting a lot more than she got offered. So she was like, oh, they've only offered me four grand, but that's just for one session. And then everybody's just jumped on it at that stage, thinking four grand for everything. It's absolute pittance. And it's well, created what we see well, today. Well, that's, well, that's what she claimed. It was yeah. 4,000 for the whole lot. Now I'm wondering whether there was a translation issue. Because it's could Japanese be. country. Maybe, yeah. Maybe the the cameo that they offered could have been four grand for that session, perhaps. But it, it might have been in the contract in the translation from Japanese to English. Maybe it mm. just said four grand, not being per session. But we, we can't see the contract, so we'll never know if it is that. But mm. yeah. But I'm trying to understand why she would... she's affected the wreck her own career if this turns out to be false. Oh yeah, this is this is her out of the business completely. No one would want to hire her on this evidence alone, really. I mean, I do think six figure sum might be pushing it for a bit. A bit. And residuals because she'd have had a bit of money for for each sale of each game then, as yeah. well. Yeah. It's a unique exchange. Hmm. I, I think the the thing for me that probably goes against Helner a little bit is that they've they've gone ahead and hired someone who I think is kind of in the industry a little bit more. I suppose. Um, what would what would the word be? Recognizable. It's probably not. It's probably it's probably the most incorrect word that I've probably used at this point. But like. For someone of Jennifer Hale's stature in the industry and like all the, you know, roles that she's done and, you know, the excellent work that she's done, you would think someone like her would probably be hired at a slightly higher rate. I think she's like, she's a part of a union, I think, as well, which I think sort of goes towards her case that she would have to be offered at least... uh, an X amount for being a union member and then she might get a bit more for just, you know, who she is and stuff. Whereas, like, I think for Helena, I think the only thing she's really credited for is Bayonetta, I think. Pretty much. Because I, I, I think... I... Sorry, go on. No, sorry, I was just going to say, I can understand why she'd want more money for it, though. I don't understand it. Um, Maybe she's certainly too hard, though. But I... I can't think of, of many voice actors who would, who would end up getting six figures unless they were like a celebrity or something like that. Well, that's you know the thing. I, mean? I think maybe she just pushed it a bit too far. Yeah. Um, I, I saw there, there was some like comparisons going around like, oh, Chris Pratt's doing Mario and the Bear. He's getting like blah, blah, blah. And why can't Helena have this much and stuff? It's like, well, that's a, that's a full feature film. I, but I there'd, be, she... there'd be so many sessions they would do, wouldn't they? Like it, it'd be somewhat comparable to what she's done for a game. Almost. Is there, is there going to be two hours of dialogue? Probably. I mean, she's then she's in there for at least twenty hours, so depends on how much they they get recorded and stuff. 
Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's not just a case of just read the line, that's it, move on to the next one. They do like different variations of the same line yeah. and things like that. It, they could do 20 hours and it ends up being about 40 minutes of dialogue, but like, you know, the work has still been put in for that. But Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, the, the, the amount of work that goes into it is it's very similar and comparable. Yeah, I, I but, think... But with like Chris Pratt, if we're using that as an example, you pay for the mm. name, aren't you? But that's it, and uh, I know he has done a few voice and stuff here and there, but uh, I don't know if you, you would class him as like a professional voice actor. Like, that's not his forte. He's meant to be like a you know a full fledged actor. So, but we, we what the story should really highlight properly is that voice actors just don't get paid properly in the exactly. And it's a shame and, that this, that this yeah. potential lie might overshadow that. And that, yeah, that's the thing. Is that like, if it's if it does come out and that actually she was offered a you know a, a reasonable amount to come back and she's turned it down and asked for a bit unreasonable, then she's shot her career and it it might put back you know the the real talk that we should be having for voice actors in the industry. So it's sad. It's a sad story. It's um it's just unfortunate for everything that's kind of come out and stuff. It's just a mess, a mess all around, really. Isn't it? Mm. I just think it'd be funny if Jennifer came out and just said, "I got eight per session," just to throw some shade. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's the bad thing as well, though. Like from what Helen has said, then like a lot of abuse got thrown Jennifer's way. It's like, yeah, she should have brought what? her into she, it. it was yeah, nothing like, to do she's with only doing a job, you know. She got brought in to do a job, you know. That's she shouldn't be getting the hair in this. And I think Helena tried to sort of pull back on that, that she didn't she didn't mean to throw shade that way. I think she just wanted to, she felt ownership over the character and it's like yeah, the character's yeah. mine. No one else is the real voice. Don't care who it is, like you're never gonna be the real bayonet and stuff. It's like just stop that. I think <laughs> it, it was more it was more anger at the situation than the person, I think. It just yeah. came across a bit badly. I think when you look back on those videos, it does look a bit like heat of the moment kind of stuff. Mm. Just like I just want to put put the camera on and I'm just going to spill stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's just kind of what it feels like. It's it's real shame, real absolute shame. Because this reminded me of the whole um, Scarlett Johansson marble thing. Oh yeah, where, where they had this long fruitful relationship and then suddenly there's like muddy situation. It's completely. Blitzed it, and it's just it's just happened with this as well. What film was that again? Because it was Black Widow. The, Black Widow. Yeah, they put it on Disney Plus pretty much straight away, didn't they? Yeah. So she believed she was losing out on money. Yeah. From like theatrical releases and that kind of thing. Well, it would have been that she signed a residual contract, and it obviously wouldn't have got seen as many times if they took it out of cinemas sooner. Mm. And well, obviously m- most people would have just y- used the subscription to watch it. So yeah. Similar situation. So, let's see where that goes. Mm. Shall we talk about a showcase? Ooh, showcase. I'm sure. I'm sure you took interest in this one, Matthew. I, I don't know what you're talking about. The Resident Evil showcase. What was it about? Know. Apart from Resident Evil, obviously. Mm. Oh, that, that's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> so this one was uh, just a bit more. A bit more information about the, uh, I suppose, the Gold Edition or the Winter's expansion that is coming to Resident Evil Village um, later on this month, I believe. 
we're pretty close to it. So, I mean, I'll, I'll first start off by by saying that I, I thought how the showcase was presented was pretty pretty good. I, I thought it was quite it's quite the, different. The voiceover from the Duke. Yeah. I did having sort of the, yeah, the voiceover of the Duke, and then you're kind of in this like big, sort of I suppose dining room in effect. And he's going on about how where uh, well he's, he's got some new information that he's going to divulge to us. So the first thing we got was a bit more on the Shadow of Rose campaign for Resident Evil Village. So they were just showing off, I suppose, a little bit more of the gameplay, so a little bit more of kind of what Rose's powers can do, which looks like freezes enemies to a, to an extent i think i think that's just going to be kind of one of her powers throughout the game i imagine and they were just talking about sort of a bit more of sort of the story sort of why they've made rose 16 years old um it definitely seems as though she has not fast grown 60 from a baby so this this is definitely like resident evil in the future sort of thing but she wants some answers about I'm assuming a family history, so she ends up going back to you know to the village, just looking looking around, see what's you know what's really happening with her and the family and stuff. Uh, and then I think there was there at one point um, they showed a little bit of sort of a cutscene where she's shrunk down to like a doll size, and she's been mm. essentially like surrounded by these giant freaky porcelain dolls and stuff. That was a bit. That definitely harkens back to um, to some things that happens in Village, which I'll not spoil too much about. But no, I, I, I'm quite looking forward to the little, little extra DLC they're going to have for the campaign, finish off the winner's story. Do we know how long that's supposed to be? Um, I don't think they've given a definitive answer. If I was to hazard a guess, I would think around the three, four hour mark, I'd imagine. So they they mentioned it's not just going to be Castle Dimitrescu that she'll be um, exploring. There'll, there'll be more of like the village side of it, but how much will be open for her to explore? I'm not sure. I don't think it'll be as explorable as the main game was, but certainly at least some parts of it will be. Then we got a little bit more information about the mercenaries mode. Um, so the additional content they're adding to there with the new characters. Um, they mentioned they've made some tweaks to the board now. So originally, when you play Mercenaries, you would go through sort of a level, a set level that's based off in the campaign. You hunt around uh, hunt around for enemies and you try and complete it in the quickest time possible, basically. Um, but a lot of it would be you're, you're essentially looking around the level four enemies sometimes. And I, I remember playing a level or two where it was a bit frustrating trying to remember where where I'd been and like what, what enemies I'd kill and like where else I need to look, <laughs> which is um, definitely a time waster. Um, so they made a tweak this time around where now enemies essentially start coming for you instead. So you know, I would sort of wait around for like minutes wondering where you been where they are and stuff they'll come to you now which is um definitely going to add add a good amount of time shaved off on the leaderboards i can imagine if they keep it like that i think we also got a new look at the third person mode so essentially in addition to the main campaign you can now play in third person um and they've talked about how you know they've had to make animation and stuff feel 
correct for what they are, what they sort of were originally and how they could translate over to third person. Um, they did make an interesting note that they believed making this mode would make the game less scary. I could sort of see what they might be saying. It's yeah, slightly less uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that was there. I think that there was a lot of critique about Resident Evil 7 being first person only, and I think it scared quite a few of the core um, Resident Evil fans away from it. So I think bringing this in is is sort of a, is meant to be sort of a way of some kind of bringing them back, experience the game differently, but maybe in the way that you kind of want to experience it, which I mean, fair enough. I imagine a lot of work would have to go in, gone into that to make sort of both modes work in effect and not lose the, the core experience of it. So um, that was cool. Uh, they also said there's going to be a new demo coming out for Village um, where you can experience playing the game in first or third person, which is pretty cool. Uh, it'll last 60 minutes, the whole demo, and I believe it is already out now. So for those that did want to give it a try and maybe first person wasn't your thing, now here's third person. See, see how you think of it. I do like the little detail as well in third person where they've, they've managed to try and keep it so that Ethan's face is always kind of yeah. out of view from the camera. <laughs> he kind so of looks like, away, turn, he? When you try and turn around it, he starts like looking away and then like... Is, is there a reason why that exists? You don't have to go into I, it plot-wise, but is there a reason why that is a thing? I, I think when they created the character of Seven, they, they wanted to make it feel like it was, obviously it was it was your experience, you felt what was happening in the game, and I think they wanted to sort of keep that within Village, even though it's kind of obvious Ethan must have some sort of face, but I don't know. I feel like it's, it's like one of those quirky Japanese humour things. <laughs> It's like you'll never see Ethan's face, whatever. I like, can imagine trying to like quick move the camera. You just like so I'll just like snap snack around so you can't. Yeah. It's like nope. Girls will like insist on you. <laughs> yeah. We finally, after about oh, I want to feel like years since we've last seen this, um, we got a new look at Reverse, the sort of I suppose multiplayer. Perhaps, this looks. Oh, this well, look, yeah. This looks different from how I remember it. Have they changed it? It is different, yes. So when they first announced it, it had very much kind of like a, almost like a comic book filter to it. There was like, you know, you you got like scan lines and little dots and stuff that filled in the shadows and stuff. Now they've just gone, well, we've probably had the feedback that it didn't look good, so we'll just keep it looking like how a village looks. Um, Which I think graphically looks better, I think. For me, who doesn't know anything about this, what what is it? Because to me, it looked a bit like Resident Evil meets Call of Duty. Um, well, like the weapon loadouts and the music yeah. in the background trying to hype it up and stuff. It was fairly strange. So of so uh, it was originally touted as being like a, a uh, I think it was like a six or eight person free for all game where you played as a what they call Survivor, which is just a, a character that was in within the game, um, and you essentially shoot each other and get kills, and the, you know the person who got the most kills won. But there was a twist where you could collect, um, you can collect these like bioweapon um, vials, where if you like, if you ever got killed, 
um, you would actually transform into uh, sort of a Resident Evil monster and sort of carry on with that life in effect. But like the more virus that you had on you, the more powerful the creature you would turn into um, if you died. So this this was essentially just showing off, I suppose, more of that. Um, you know, they've. I don't think they've added anything to over there. I know they've got the village map in there, but they did release a roadmap of sorts of what what they want in the game. So I think it was something like. I don't think they've given a date on them, but they've got like about four updates where it's like I think the first one's like we're gonna release one survivor, one creature, one map, new weapons, blah blah blah. Next one, new survivor, new map, blah blah blah, stuff like that. They've got like four different upgrades that they want to do. I don't know if there's gonna be more after that. Um, but that will be out pretty much at the same time as the gold edition. So cool. Finally give that a go. Um did interestingly notice they have two versions of Chris Redfield in there though that might be funny to Resident Evil fans. There's essentially the the one that's in Village, and then they've still got the not Chris Redfield from Resident Evil Seven in there, which is a bit. It's like okay, <laughs> you've got two different uh, base models for Chris now. Interesting. Oh, they also announced uh, there's a early access for it as well. Uh, I believe, which is going to start on the 24th of October and ends on the 26th for those who purchased Village and the Gold Edition. Um, interesting enough, it's also going to have cross-play, which is good news for the mode, I suppose. It'll give it a little bit more longe- longevity. Hopefully, if it's good. If it's not, I'm sure we'll know. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, there was some quick announcements of Village coming to the max. Yay for that one person, I suppose. Um, I think that's around the time Gold Edition comes out as well, I'd imagine. And then they also announced the release dates for all the cloud versions of the games coming out on Nintendo Switch. So we had uh, Village is coming to on the 28th of October. The expansion for Switch will be out on the 2nd of December. Then you've got Resident Evil 2 coming out on 11th of November. Resident Evil 3 is the 18th of November. And Resident Evil 7 is the 16th of December. So keep those days close to you, I suppose, if you've got a Switch and you want to fancy playing Resident Evil there. After all this, we sort of come back to the Duke in the dining hall. And he wanders over to a familiar-looking portrait that would start all the juicy news for the Resident Evil 4 remake that's coming out next year. And we got a lot more in this than I thought we would, honestly. So we essentially started with what is kind of the first section of the game, if you've ever played sort of the original game. Um, Leon's sort of making his way. It's not Leon. It's It's Draco Malfoy. It's not (laughs) Shut up. Uh... (laughs) He's, uh, he makes his way over to a village house, sort of starts investigating it. So he makes his way to the basement, finds a dead policeman. Um, there's another one coming over the radio, screaming Spanish, I'm assuming. Um, then Leon ends up getting ambushed um, by one of the Ganados, uh, the villagers that's in there. Um, we start seeing... Some interesting mechanics here where he kind of gets grabbed and you've got sort of prompts, kind of like in the original, where you have to sort of 
bow and mash to get him off you so he doesn't end up losing too much health. Um, kicks him off, gives him another bullet, couple of bullets, gets grabbed again, and then we sort of blank back upstairs um, where we see one of the game's new mechanics being introduced to the remake where Leon can now sort of crouch around and be kind of a little stealthy. Um, I'd definitely be interested to see how that gets incorporated into the game. Maybe you can sort of do some stealth kills. That'd be interesting. Um, so he, he sneaks past a couple of villagers, um, finds some information about President's door, who he's sort of there to rescue, tells Honigan, who is his contact, um, about this, and then says yes to sort of come back later because he's been found by the Ganados, smashes through a window, and then he ends up back. And then it, it moves on to him going towards sort of the main village where he uses um, his binoculars at one point, finds the other, I suppose, dead police officer at this point, getting burnt at the stake. Um, and then whole hell breaks loose where he gets fined by the villagers. And this is like one of the big set pieces in the original game as well. You're just in like survival mode, basically trying to dodge all these villagers and whatnot, trying to survive, basically. Um, I like how he uses the cow. Yes. Um, I think there's, there's a big thing that I, I saw on Twitter that people was really happy about. Not that the cow got sound fire, which is kind of terrible. Um, it's something that you could do in the original game as well. But that he kind of equips afterwards as well, where he's like, um, he says something to like build him the repairs later. And it's like, oh, we're, we're getting like a, a, an original take on Leon, but still keeps his kind of quippy self that he is in the original game. Because the original game, he's like one liners for days. And I think a lot of people kind of worried that this would be, they would go too far of like being grounded and realistic and not take like that comedy approach to it. But it sounds like they will be, which is good. Um, so, yeah, so he's fighting off all these Ganados, um, barricades himself into one house where a well-known um, Ganado villager who's called Dr. Salvador in his mask and his chainsaw starts slicing through. Um, he escapes upstairs, gets out. And it's just it's just sort of like a set piece of like seeing everything that can happen in this one part, really, where... You can also see when you get grabbed, you can also use your knife as well, so get out of the grab stuff. And it looks like the knife has a durability to it as well, which is cool. Um, you got to see some shotgun stuff. And then by the end, I, I started to notice they, they seem to have improved the AI for the Ganados as well, because they seem to do a lot of team stuff. Like there's there quite a few times where Leon was getting grabbed and they would sort of shuffle him into the view of the chainsaw guy and it's like oh they're kind of working together that's kind of cool um quite a few times that happens with no luck for the chainsaw guy um leon got grabbed one more time and the chainsaw guy starts chopping some of the um wood platforming down so he can he's he seemed to add a little bit to that as well where they block um pathways and stuff for leon which is cool um leon essentially escapes stabs the guy with the bomb and then from what I've heard, is the campiest um, part of the trailer and something people are very happy of seeing. Leon ends up blocking the chainsaw with his knife, which, okay. <laughs> um, gave me Metal Gear Rising vibes on that. Uh, if you played the game, you'll know. So, but yeah, and then that essentially ended there. And then we just got 
some more little tidbits of information, sort of showing off the infantry system um, that they brought back from the original Resident Evil, where you've got like a Tasha case, where you can, um, well, organise your case, I suppose, with all the items that you've gotten and stuff on like a grid format. Um, they've brought in the crafting stuff from the previous Resident Evils as well, the more recent ones. So there's that crafting system there now. Um, also showing that they brought the yellow herbs back, which helps um, permanently increase your health bar, which is good. One of my favourite parts after that was seeing the mysterious merchant come back, which was always a fan favourite in the original Resident Evil. He keeps a lot of stuff in that jacket, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of stuff in there. Uh, so showing sort of how you'll be interacting with him, I imagine like the original, it'll be dotted around the map where you can go to him, you can buy new guns, um, equipment, you can tune up your guns as well. They, just showed, they showed you can tune up your knife, which is quite interesting. You can also sell stuff to him and you can also trade stuff. This seems to be new as well, where I think there seems to be like a, a second currency, a, a sort of gem that you can get that you can trade in for other different items and stuff like so you could get like um you get a treasure map a treasure map for an area um and there's also like a laser scope which i think you could probably pop onto a gun and you'll have um uh, obviously kind of, sort of the red dot and stuff on there um after this they mentioned that the ps4 version of the game can be upgraded to the ps5 digital version for free which is always good news good good guy capcom um, and then they showed off uh, pretty much all the big uh, pre-order editions that you can get as well. So there's like there was the deluxe edition, which has the base game plus what they're calling the extra DLC pack, which seems to have four outfits for Leon, which looked about as overtop Japanese as you can get. Um, there's two for Ashley that they didn't show off; they were um, blanked out. You can get two graphic filters to play through the game with, uh, two new weapons, a treasure map that apparently shows treasures not obtainable with any other treasure map that you can get in the game. What that means, I don't know. Um, some sort of sunglasses. Not sure you would use for that. And then something they called a soundtrack swap. So if that's something that I think is what it is is something similar they did with resident evil 2 remake where you can swap the soundtrack out for the like the original game soundtrack which would be pretty cool it's actually quite fun playing resident evil 2 remake and like the original soundtrack and seeing where all like the different music and stuff there that you could fit in um goes and stuff after that we got to see the big collector's edition uh, which pretty much contained everything that has the deluxe and also a steelbook, digital soundtrack, a Leon statue, an art book, and a poster, all within this kind of specialised box thing, um, which I've already heard is sold out thanks to scalpers. So shocking. Yeah, I was I was looking this morning actually to see how much it is, and I was like, no, it's not available. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Oh, I don't know. I saw someone was trying to sell the Japanese version for £300 on eBay. So I, I don't know what the original price is. I don't think I'll ever find out. Um, they also stated that pre-ordering the standard edition uh, would get you a sort of a, a gold colour for your, I suppose, briefcase in the game and a 
handgun ammo charm for it as well. And then I think if you get the Lux or the Clegg's Edition, you'll get those plus a classic case look and a green herb charm. And then I think they also mentioned that if you pre-order it on the PlayStation Store, you would get the mini soundtrack as well. And then pretty much to finish all that, we got essentially sort of a new trailer that showed off a lot more kind of story stuff and how some of the new characters are going to look. So we kind of got to see... Got to see Luis Sierra's new look and voice. Um, I quite approve. He's the sort of Spanish-looking guy. Uh, there was uh, Mendez, who's the really tall priest-looking fellow. Um, all they've done to him, really, is just add the hat, and that's it. He looks like the Undertaker. So. <laughs> uh, we also got a very brief look at Sadler. Um, he's the one in sort of the robes who mentions that the lost lambs have escaped we got a look at Ada Wong, who design-wise looks pretty similar from Resident Evil 2 Remake, which is great, but it's very clear that her voice actress has changed. Um, I wasn't too sure what I thought about the new voice. Oh, no. This is another disaster. Yeah, here we go again. Yeah, here we go. Um, some people are saying that she sounds like the actress that plays Ada Wong in the Welcome to, Resident e- Welcome to Raccoon City film. I can't remember her voice in that mainly because she was in the post credit scene, so it was very brief. I'd like to see if I can pair and see. Maybe if they had brought her on, that'd be interesting. Um, and then we also got a sort of a new look at the El Gante, sort of the giant um, creature who will most likely run over you. Uh, we'll get the Del Lago, who was in the lake, sort of the, the fish monster that was jumping out over Leon in the lake. Uh, we've got a look at Salazar, who's very different. He's the Napoleon-looking guy. Although this time he's just kind of got a wig on instead of his Napoleon hat, which is a bit disappointing. But anyway. um, And then what I thought was interesting right at the end is actually a new scene that doesn't seem to have been pulled from the original game. Funnily enough, we've actually got something new where we've got Ashley, who is essentially infected at this point, and she's holding a gun, supposedly towards Leon. Um, that's quite new. She never held a gun in the original game, so one of the new changes that, that this game's trying to pull off, I suppose. So, yeah. And then to remind everyone, it's coming out on the 24th of March next year, which I've marked in my calendar. Yeah, that, that was pretty much everything the Resident Evil showcase. Hmm. But that wasn't the only scary game showcase was it no one we've not seen for quite some time yeah we got a silent hill transmission what they call mm. it. now i've never played a silent hill game apart from a demo of i think it's the fourth one the room yes um that's the only one that i've played i didn't play it for that long so <laughs> right okay. but uh they've announced that they're remaking silent hill 2 which a lot of people seem to be saying is the best one i think we kind of heard this information before that Silent Hill was in the works wasn't it and Blooper Team was involved yeah and that's been confirmed it's, yeah it's, it's been going around for a while and now they finally finally confirmed it so although I've accidentally put in my notes Bloomberg Team so <laughs> <laughs> Bloomberg so then, Jason's working on it yeah Jason's doing it uh, but it will be a PS5 console exclusive mm, I've heard I've heard somewhere it's going to be 12 months exclusive Ah, right, so it's time exclusive. Okay. I believe so. 
Uh, but then they announced something called Silent Hill Townfall. I did, I couldn't really understand what this was. No, it was, we pretty much had like one minute of something. Yeah. As as, as oh, yeah, it was developed by somebody called No Code. Mm. But uh, this is the interesting one for me, anyway. Silent Hill film. Mm. Another one is in development. But it yes. will be from the director of the original film, Christopher Gans. He will return. I, I, I actually quite enjoyed the original uh, Silent Hill film. I think it's one of those things that I think fans of the game liked it, but critics just hate it. Yeah, it's it's... I think a lot of people say it's probably the most faithful game adaptation to film mm. um, that have, that's been put out, which I suppose is high praise for the fans. Because this included interviews with him, didn't it? And he seems really passionate about it. He seems no, he, he, yeah, he seems to be pretty good. I think uh, we got a title for it as well, Return to Silent Hill. I think it's going to be cool. Uh, yes, I believe that's it. They never actually that's said that. That's what I read. Yeah it, yeah, it kept saying Return to Silent Hill, but they never actually said it's called this. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, we, we shall like. assume this. <laughs> yeah. And then it just turned into QVC for a bit, where they just started announcing all the merchandise that were going to be on sale. I suppose it's got to get down there. <laughs> Did you see this? There just, just a woman just stood there, just reeling off, just like, this is what we've got. But wait, there's Here's more. a mug. <laughs> so there's one six scale statue of Red Pyramid thing. A James Sutherland one six statue. Basically, everything. Things. What is that? What they called it? it it's yeah, made, made by Gecko. It's a one sixth scale statue of red pyramid thing. That's what it's called. It's called names. Pyramid heads. How did they get that wrong? Not anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, apparently. Yeah, we're remaking it and we're recalling it. Red pyramid thing. Uh, Crazy Rock have got one six scale fully articulated figures of Red Pyramid thing and the Bubblehead Nurse. Finally, the merch that we all want. Yep. It's not the nurse that you think you want. Uh... <laughs> but this next one was really interesting. Called Silent Hill Ascension. Yeah. So this is developed by Gen- is it Genvid, Bad Robot Behaviour and DJ2. Yeah, so Genvid... Uh... Bad Robot Games, who is yeah. uh, they're the developers that JJ Abrahams created. Yeah. Um, and then Behaviour other devs on Dead by Daylight, so that's quite interesting. So this is a live, real-time interactive experience series you can watch together where you can change its outcome and be part of the scenes. Hmm. It's going to be a bit like um, oh, what's that one? The one on, it was in Netflix, with Black Band, Mirror. Band, Bandersnatch. Oh, Bandersnatch. Oh, Bandersnatch, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's Black Mirror, but yeah. Yeah, it's, Black Mirror is like the main title, and then Bandersnatch yeah. was the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's no reset and actions can have life or death consequences. Oh, no. Ooh. You die in the show, you die in real life. Yeah. Well, it does say you could be part of the scene, so what if you end up killing yourself, Bags? That's it. <laughs> Game over, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that will go live next year. But no definitive date. And then they finish with a very obscure one. Yeah. Brand new game. Yeah, I can't really work out what's going on here. Uh, a, a young girl, flowers. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Flowers. But, yeah. Um, so the, the, the little information that I saw that I managed to take from it and outside sources. So it's called Silent Hill F. 
Yeah, that's weird. That is, is that a, that's going to be a code name. F. Could be. I mean, Styles always been a bit. It was a small yeah. F as well. That's even more peculiar. It, it could be one of those where you know the the Silent title Hill. plays. <laughs> Silent... <laughs> could be one of those where the title plays a interesting role in the actual game. You know where we had like why is why is it called Horizon Zero Dawn? And we found maybe out just, what Zero Dawn. Maybe they just forgot to type the rest of it. Hello. <laughs> they ran out of blood. Yeah. Sorry, it was. Um... So, so what I've gathered from this, it's going to be set in 1960s Japan. Um, it is being written by visual novel writer Ryukishi07. That is his pen name. No one knows okay. the person's real name. Um, but I do know that he is famous for writing the um, the murder mystery anime series Hagurushi When They Cry. They're, apparently they're, they're highly regard for for their stories and stuff and the twists and that. So I was like, okay, this I'm, I'm a little bit more intrigued about it if he's writing it. Um, also being developed by Neo Bards, who, if you don't know, uh, are the developers on Reverse. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. <laughs> so expect to see Leon in Sire. <laughs> the crossover we, we've always wanted. Yeah. Silent Evil. Anyway. Or Resident Hill. Resident Hill. Yeah. No, <laughs> Resident Hill. Sounds like an old I'm, people. I'm sure man. that I'm, sh- I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's already a, a film or some kind of. <sighs> but I think that's pretty much the end of that transmission. It was. Would you like to hear about an unfortunate accident? Just before our last podcast, um, there was TwitchCon, um, oh, the convention for Twitch that, uh, yes, you may see where I'm going with this, uh, that Twitch held over, I think it was, it was something like three or four days. Uh, and the there was an incident that happened on the Sunday of, of the four days. So I think it started Friday, it was meant to end Monday. So at this convention, um they had this this area that was built it was like a it was like a foam pit it's got like um i suppose foam cubes all around you know you dive in you, you get soft landing you know or, like you bounce, or you bounce off the foam i should say it's like the things you used to see on gladiators isn't it yeah oh well, yeah it's pretty much gladiators like it was there was two small platforms that you could stand on and you got these like I never know what they called them. I'm sure they were called like toothpicks. Pugils, uh, is it? Pugils, something like that. Uh, basically, you, you know, you whack one another with yeah. them, try and knock each other off. So there was one Twitch streamer that went on with, I'm assuming their friend, um, who is named Adriana Chekik. I probably butchered the last name like I'd butcher a lot of names, so I'll just stick to Adriana. Uh, she was kind of, I suppose, fine with a friend, Knocked her off. She she claimed victory and decided to do a sort of jumping splits into the foam pit. Uh, so she did a splits, pretty impressive. Landed um, bottom first, and not straight away, but over a very quick amount of few seconds, um, she was in very visual pain. It's a point where she kind of had to she she kind of turned over onto kind of her uh, belly, I suppose, um, and was very much in a lot of pain. She, couldn't, she could barely move. 
Um, to to at which point the the announcer who was sort of doing the thing apparently said she was fine. Uh, she was not fine. She. I don't think the announcers knew what was going on. To be honest. No, I don't think they realised sort of the severity of the injury, as um, Adriana was taken to a, I think local hospital, and was found that she had broken her back in two separate places, thanks to her landing. And substantially, it was found that the the actual pit itself was not deep enough at all for this event, basically. Um, there, there was also quite a few other people came through on, on Twitter saying sort of their injuries as well. Like someone, was, I think, got like a strained ankle, I think. Yeah, I so what, yeah, one, I one, one that got like a, like a knee as well. She, she did something to a knee. But to have... Your back broken in two separate places from what would seem quite innocently jump into a pit. Um, brutal is is the word I would use there, because that's pretty much a life changing injury that she's got. Like I don't I don't know oh, how yeah. I don't know how you recover properly from that kind of stuff. Um, I was reading like she was putting um, updates on Twitter saying like she she'd had two surgeries for it um before they sent her home apparently she did start walking a bit you know gingerly but she could support herself okay um but the amount of pain that she must have gone through like i can't imagine that kind of stuff i i don't know what's actually happening further on like is whoever organized uh, apparently before this event or the convention they had to sign a waiver um, about you know any self-sustaining injuries are not their fault, but I'd be like, forget that. That that should have been checked. That should have been checked for safety reasons. And if it wasn't deep enough, then they shouldn't have had it. Waivers don't protect from negligence, though. I think well, that's the case here. This seems to be, isn't it? Like, if if she really wanted to take them for as much as she wanted, I'd highly encourage it because such a terrible incidents happen could have been easily avoided with proper it is terrible I know, I know i'm sure he covers quickly but is some of the onus not on her for jumping into a pit in that fashion to cause that injury no because that's particularly what those pits are designed for well you, to you, do to jump off and do the splits nope, no but seriously you, you haven't seen what the pit looked like <laughs> there was like barely any foam in it and it yeah. should be like it should be like four at least like four foot basically um, she just went through like one layer of foam and hit solid floor yeah and consider it like when you're on that platform if you get hit off you're, you're going to be falling yourself anyway so that's going to be I mean, there was other people that got it's not that injured. it's not that high is it it's not the, the podium no it's it's pretty much like gladiator like you were saying it's probably yeah a foot or two isn't it like it's not a long fall really but like for other people to come away with it and get like you know sprained knees and stuff like I mean we're fortunate no one landed head first in there. Mm. This is it. If you got knocked off there, you could end up going head first. You never know. Depends on how you got knocked off, really. But there's a lot of people saying. I think there was even one person saying like they they hurt their back pretty bad because of how they fell. But not not to the extent obviously that Adriana. Yeah. I mean I I can I can 
sort of see the argument of like, well, why did you do that in the first place? But it's it, it should have been designed to soften that blow. It is designed to withstand that sort of thing. Yeah. It's supposed to be. You, you would think. It was just negligence on their part. So. Whoever the pit just, just a, anyway. Yeah, just a, just a bad news all around, really. Yes, it's a terrible accident. Anyway, have we got any more news? Can we, can we get anything a bit lighter, perhaps? Not you, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, quite recently we had some news come out about The Sims 4 going free for everybody. Ah, well, so. you say free. Well, it's the ba- not, though, is it? The base game is free. <laughs> yeah, what's well. in the base game? Pretty much nothing. You can make a house. You've got a few yeah. bits of clay. Four walls, a roof. That's it. What more do you need? Anyway, so during this year's Behind the Sims Summit event, love that name, so Maxis and EA had a few important announcements to make. And the two big ones that came away is that, one, they are working on the next generation version of Sims. So that's in development right now. And two, The Sims 4 is going free to play. So it's going to be available on the following platforms. So it's going to be free on PC via the EA app or Origin. It's going to be free on Mac via Origin, free on Steam, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Stadia. No, I'm only joking. (laughs) So... Yeah, if you want to give the base game a go, if you've not played Sims for a while, can install it. Obviously, it's just the base game, so as Mark said, the the quantity of content may be lacking, but if so, you can buy an expansion. Or 42, how many exist? How many expansions are there? I I remember the Sims 2 expansions. They were just an absolute crap ton of those. There must have been at least 30 or 40 of them. I can remember once I bought um, Sims 2 Nightlife on its own, not knowing that I needed the base game to expand it. So I paid 30 quid <laughs> and to get it for my sister's birthday for her. And she oh, couldn't no. even play it. I felt oh, terrible because no. I saved oh, no. all my paper money up for weeks to get it for her birthday because I were only on £9 a week at the time. So that was nearly four weeks of my wages. And she couldn't even buy it. So what ended up happening was my mum gave me the money to buy the base game for her afterwards. So. Well, it was very honourable. So yeah, I tried. You, you tried, yeah, tried. But yeah. Anyway, nowadays you don't have to live through that heartache because it's free. I think it's good. Because you think of all these people that maybe have not played Sims for years, they can download it, give it a go, and if they do get invested into it. Buy some expansions and just have fun with it. Well, that's the point, isn't it? It's to lure them into buying the expansions. That's the whole point. Of course it is. It's all about the moolah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's always CD CD, if you ask me. No, it's not CD anymore. It's digital, mate. Hey. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. I liked it. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) You're not I feel encouraged this man. I feel encouraged now. No. There's no need encouraged. So, the next thing, we got some news 
about the dual sense edge wireless controller for PS5. Oh boy, did we? We did. <laughs> so we got a global launch date and we got some prices. <sighs> Need a deep breath before this one. So it's going to be launching globally on the 26th of January. And in terms of the price for the base unit, including tax, you're going to be looking at £209.99. Yeah. yeah. Bargain. Oh, but, the, but that's not all. There's, there's more, folks. So if you want some of the replaceable analog sync modules, they're going to be available at the paltry price of £19.99 each. So you're looking at 230 quid before you've even got started. I think I might I be leaving this one. Those those thumbsticks just like extra stuff. It's not like you 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 would get them anywhere with the base controller, but they're just like if if yes. you need to replace them. If you need different ones, then you would pay the nineteen ninety nine. So they do come with thumbsticks. Okay. Yeah, it, it, there's there is a breakdown of what comes with it. Mm. So obviously you get the dual sense edge wireless controller. You get a USB braided cable, two standard caps, two high dome caps two low-dome caps, two half-dome back buttons, two lever back buttons, connector housing, and a carrying case. I do think the carrying case is quite nice. Mm. But is it £209? Is, is it, yeah, now? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you can charge it inside the case. Ooh, nice feature. Almost maybe one to pre <laughs> I think they will get one. I'm, I'm going I, I'm not going to give in. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm going to wait <laughs> until I can find it charity shop for four ninety nine. Just build your own. Yeah. Just, just glue just a pair hacksaw. Just glue. Sawing um, analog sticks off. <laughs> yep. There we go. Detachable. What? Why is this um, compared to the latest Xbox Elite controller? Do we know? I'm not sure. To be honest. Uh, has that just gone on Design Lab now, so you can make your own? It is as well, yeah. You can uh, you can stylize your own Elite controller, which I think is pretty cool. And the case, you can have like a coloured Xbox Let's logo on there. They're too expensive for what they are as well. But these these are just supposed to be for like competitive play, aren't they? Yeah, really. If you want that extra millisecond when you're playing Call mm. of Duty. Mm. To be fair, I did end up getting one of the original Xbox um, Elite controllers. You know, the first one that came out. Was it worth it? I would say so. I got a good couple of years use out of it. It felt pretty pretty good to play with. No, but I mean, would, is, is it worth getting compared to just having the original? Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But for stuff like, you know, I, I played a lot of Call of Duty, so it was, it was pretty useful uh, on there. I, ah. felt, I felt it was a bit of a difference when I was playing COD. To me, this just seems a bit like cheating. Well, it's having not. Fa- it... Having fancy controllers. Well, it's the same inputs. It's just the speed that your yeah, hand can get to the inputs yeah. and comfort. Some of the things on the back of your, on the back of the paddles. Pardon? I think it's I think it's cheating. Don't like it. <laughs> so basically, it's just game wrong. Game. Yes. Exactly. So is it is it wrong with the base controller? Is it wrong for someone to feel comfort with the controller that they used to game? Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it's got to be horrible. It's got everyone's got to use NES controllers, and it'd be non-ergonomic, so it hurts their hands. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's good. Everyone, 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 go back to the PS3 controllers. Oh God! Not... <laughs> yeah, I really wish we we'd seen that banana control. 
Oh, that would have been amazing. So yeah. sleek, so silver. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you get angry with it, you can use it as a boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, should do, they should bring that out for the 30th anniversary. Like the PS3 concept controller. That's perfect, actually. When you're playing FIFA, you get angry with it. You throw it, it boomerangs back at you. It, it's it a comes one. a slap to your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. that. That's what you get for trying to throw me. Yeah. I'd buy that. I'd, I, I wouldn't spend £210 on it, but I'd, I'd probably spend maybe 80 quid on it, just for novelty. Uh, but as for this, a bit steep, isn't it? Yeah. I'll be waiting until it goes down in price. I think if it got to maybe 1900 I think I mean, maybe I'd be a bit more inclined. I mean, when you consider the price of the console itself, <laughs> mm. you know, we're pushing like a third of the price or something. Well, actually, it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah. Bit rich. It's about 40% of the console price, isn't it? Yeah. Silly money. Silly money, I tell you. All they need to do for me to buy it is to say, you'll be better at FIFA. And I'll be like, yes, take my money. <laughs> Oh, no. Since we mentioned Call of Duty, shall we speak about the random, the very random leak about who might be coming to Modern Warfare 2? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's triggered some... <laughs> so according, yeah, according to a leak by at the Ghost of Hope on Twitter and seemingly corroborated by Tom Anderson, um, Modern Warfare 2 will have some major collaborations and one particularly interesting one is that apparently footballers Messi, Neymar, and Pogba, 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 will be <laughs> Pogba. released. Pogba will be released as operators. And now, when I first heard of this, I thought this is ridiculous. And then I remembered they could put Snoop Dogg in Vanguard, so I shouldn't be shocked, to be honest. I mean, they've had all sorts. I mean, we've had Rambo in there. Yeah. Uh, Terminator's been in there. Godzilla yeah. and Kong. Yeah. yeah, but they're action people. They don't fall over and roll over 87 times like Neymar. But that's perfect, using dolphin dive and stuff, you know. Uh, but yeah, the, apparently the first season of Modern Warfare 2 is scheduled to start on November the 6th. And the Men's World Cup kicks off on November the 20th. So I guess that makes sense, timing-wise. I suppose so. But yeah, going to get any of them? Probably not. I want it to go the I other just... way. Call of Duty people in FIFA. Oh, we've already got that. Yeah, we've got Captain Price. But I can't imagine these people just running around the battlefield. Like, just running, running past and suddenly Messi's there. It's like, what? <laughs> it's just it's just going to be so odd. Do you know what would be great? Way. If they had all the... Um, oh, it's not the narrator. Who is it? The, um, the like, announcer's like, Messi, 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 go, 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 just to so kill somebody. <laughs> I'm just trying to think what their like executions would be if you used them. Could be like kicking people's heads off. Yeah, I know. Penalty kicks at nutsack. <laughs> like, could you imagine Balls. like getting, getting yeah. stabbed by a red card or something? Just, just slice them with card. Yeah. yeah. He like he just like holds up in front of him and then just like like quickly slices the neck or something. Or just a very hard slide tackle, break the legs. Oh, in Neymar's instance, he falls over, the, falls over the other guy, starts rolling around, but then like yeah. somehow drops a grenade by the guy as well, and just blows up. <sighs> How very odd, though. Mm. Bringing it around to a uh, bit of a interesting talking point uh, that's come out from a game that's recently released, 
Gotham Knights. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, it was revealed kind of. I don't, it might have been a few a few days ago. Um, might have been just like a week before it released. That through a uh, a Discord chat with the executive producer Fleur Marty, show sure butchered that name as well. Apparently through a Discord chat, he explained um, that the game on consoles, as it is, the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, would not have a performance mode. Uh, and the game would be stuck at 30 frames per second, which brought through a conversation about what we expect from games this generation, I suppose, and what we thought about 30 against 60 frames per second. Because he was going on saying sort of the the features that they have sort of in the game, sort of the highly detailed world, the untethered co-op, so um, when you're playing co-op, one person could be at one, one end of the map, another person could be at the other end of the map, and that would work perfectly fine. Basically stopped the game having a performance mode of sorts. Even though on PC you can play in 60 frames per second. But it, it generated sort of a conversation uh, where people were basically saying anything action-oriented or or even just like games nowadays should be a minimum 60 frames per second. Nothing looks or plays well in 30. I think the thing that really triggered this for me was someone actually used um, an example of this, which was God of War, where they had some of the left side um, part of the game, uh, you know, part of the game where you, you kind of fight in, that was in 30 frames per second sort of on the consoles or before the performance patch that came out and then you had the same thing on the right side um, i think film um coded on a pc at 60 frames per second so of how for me personally the the action looks obviously a lot smoother on 60 frames per second a lot of games obviously would perform smoother in 60 frames and then things would respond better but i actually thought with certain games and i thought for this for god of war as well i actually thought how the game looked and how the moves felt to me looked better on 30 frames because it seemed more cinematic in a way. And I thought that kind of fit the game better than if I was to play it in 60 frames per second. But I know certain games obviously perform a lot better. Stuff like Call of Duty, for example, would obviously have been in 60 frames per second since the original Modern Warfare, I think. I don't think it would play as well being in 30 frames, but I do think there is there is a certain point where artistic vision and how things moved and felt playing stuff, I think benefits being on 30 frames. I don't I don't know what you guys thought. I think I think nowadays the vast majority of these games that are fast paced do need to be at 60 fps because I think we've had a conversation about this. A few months ago now, and I think it was about Forza Horizon 3, where Horizon 4 onwards were in 60, but Horizon 3 was in 30, and you can really see a difference when you get them speeds up. You do yeah. get you do get some cutting and and whatnot. And I think we've found on the latest Pokemon games as well, because they play at 60, uh sorry, at 30 frames a second, 720p. If it goes below, below that 30 frames, you can see some visible chopping. So mm. I think it is important that if we 
if we are going to be developing games and let's face it these consoles can can handle it it should be on 60 in this day and age because mm. even if it does do if it tries to get to 60 and maybe it drops to 50 or even 45 you still got something playable but i think if they're just trying to hit 30 then you can see it a detriment to gameplay yeah i can see that's a valid point i think i think for stuff like obviously forza stuff that is fast paced it's designed to be played at speed certainly something at 60 or even 120 frames per second is is more beneficial stuff like fighting games for example as well they benefit at a higher frame rate but i think i think for me that there's an interesting argument of like well if the game is designed around to be 30 frames because of of the way of how things look and stuff like using god of war i think god of war to me personally looked better at, at 30 frames just because i felt more of the the way of the moves and like the slamming and sort of the effects and stuff but maybe that's just that's just how i see it like certain games i think benefit visually and from a motion standpoint i think it's inexcusable nowadays to be anything less than 60. So. Mm. I mean, otherwise what's the what's the point of having these consoles to be honest we should, we should be we should be pushing them to the limits. Mm. Well, that's it. I'm looking over to my PS5 box. It's got 8K, 4K, 120 hertz on the side of it. That's what we need to be aiming towards. I mean, I can understand we're still in the infancy of the console, so maybe we haven't fully developers haven't fully got the grasp of the power of them yet. Mm. But we should be pushing for it. I just I just don't think we we can't be going backwards. Because once you play 16, that's it. You don't you don't want to go back. True, true. And I understand that. I just thought it was an interesting talking point. I think for myself, it was more hooked upon sort of certain games that play at a slower pace um, feel better to look at at a 30 than it is at 60. But, I can yeah. understand it from what you saw in God of War because Kratos is just a big meathead. And he's not the fastest yeah. guy in the world, is he? So when he punches somebody, you want to feel the weight of that punch. Uh, yeah. I think that's where I was getting at. I, I got the feel of, like, how powerful he is through through playing it normally. And then, like, when I was watching it, playing it in the 60s, like, oh, it's, I feel like it, it loses some of that, some of that oomph from the from the hits and stuff. But then it was probably, obviously, it was, it was more developed around the 30 frames per second to give it that more of that kind of visual style and then obviously once you add the upgrade to it it wasn't it wasn't designed to be in 60 frames per second per se even mm. though it plays perfectly well in it i do think it loses some for that but again it's i think it depends on the game and the genre as well like something like battlefield i think should be 60 frames even though i think it still seems to regularly hit 30 for whatever reason no, I just thought it was an interesting talking point. Yeah, I think everyone will have their own opinions on it, but 60 FPS <laughs> needs to be. <laughs> 60 for the win. That's it. Just an interesting development, the possible future of gaming. Mm. Okay, so this, some excerpts, ex-excerpts, that's the word, yep. from uh, Eureka Alert website. This is this. An odor machine, so-called olfactometer now makes it possible to smell in vr okay mm. and in, right uh, uh, bear with me. 
An interdisciplinary research group at Stockholm University and Malmö University has now constructed a scent machine that can be controlled by a gaming computer. In the game, the, part- the participant moves in a virtual wine cellar, picking up virtual wine glasses containing different types of wine, guessing the aromas. The small scent machine is attached to the VR system's controller, and when the player lifts the glass, it releases a scent. The olfactometer consists of four different valves, each connected to a channel. In the middle, there is a fan sucking the air into a tube. With the help of the computer, the player can control the four channels so that they open to different degrees and provide different mixtures of scent. Scent blends that can mimic the complexity of a real wine glass. The game has different levels of difficulty with increasing levels of complexity. Uh, in the same way that a normal computer game becomes more difficult, the better the player becomes, the scent game can also challenge players who already have a sensitive nose. This means that the scent machine can even be used to train wine tasters or perfumers, says Jonas Olofsson. All code, blueprints and instructions for the machine are openly available online, as is code for the virtual wine tasting game. The research group Sensory Cognitive Interaction Laboratory, which is located at the Department of Psychology at Stockholm University, now hopes that sensor computer games can become useful for other purposes. What about that then? That's quite intriguing. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be interesting if they could fit it into like a horror game, for example, and have like smell of rotting flesh and blood mm. to really immerse you in that game. So, so what game was, would, you, would you like to smell? Not Fart Simulator. I don't want that one. Yeah, Fart Simulator. Not, not, not <laughs> um, hmm. Overcooked. Yeah, that'd be quite nice, smelling the burgers that you're making and whatnot. But yeah, it would be good in use in a holiday. I was able to seven. That eating scene. If it wasn't bad <laughs> yeah. enough. That would be interesting, yeah. I'm just trying to think. I feel like I've never smelt what blood smells like. It only ever tastes. I don't think it has much of a smell. No. To be honest. Raw, I mean, I could understand like raw flesh. That would be, that'd be quite interesting. Yeah, just, yeah, just some corpses. Yeah. Gone off eggs. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do like the idea though, of being able to like train um wine tasters and stuff mm, how they could like yeah. smell the different wine and stuff that'd be quite interesting ps6 that's what we need psvr3 <laughs> that's Get it the sentiment. just a full face thing that goes over you <laughs> yeah. so you just look like bane <laughs> <laughs> i was born on the darkness um, do you know what would be good actually playing something like breakfast and smelling the petrol and stuff I love the smell of petrol. I know you're not supposed to sniff it, but if if I was able this to... This explains I, a lot of things. I would put five quids worth of petrol in a jerry can and just sniff it all day. Or you could do like a classroom simulator. Are you there just like sniffing glue? Yeah, yeah that Tipex. Tipex or wipes. It. it would be good, um, actually, for... Um, yeah. <laughs> in-house flippage or the garden edition, smelling freshly cut grass and stuff. All the yeah, cleaning detergents. Yeah, like that would be an interesting one. Bleach. I think it's... <laughs> yeah, bleach. <laughs> well, it could be bleach, yeah, when you mop it floors and whatnot. Yeah. Possibilities are endless. That's it. This is it. The future of gaming is now. Yeah. smell vision It'd be taste next, won't it? They'll... Each game in the package, like this like thing where you lick at certain <laughs> times in the game. They tried yeah, to do but... that with cinemas, though, didn't they? Something similar to that. Uh, probably. So this is why they need to bring back manuals. Then you can do that sort of thing. Yeah, that's it. Page level. The manual just have an expiration <laughs> date on the back of it. <laughs> yeah. So, moving on from the smell. 
I don't know how to segue into this, so I'm just going to go. <laughs> so we finally had some install numbers revealed by Xbox. So it's rare that they actually do this, but as of the end of 2001, we do have figures for sales for them. So this combines the Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X consoles. So they've announced that they've sold 63.7 million worldwide, which to me seems a little bit low. But in this article, it also revealed what Nintendo and Sony had done in the same amount of time. So I'll I'll go from so Xbox was last. So they was they were bottom of the list at the top three. Next was Nintendo. So this is just for Switch console sales. So they've sold 103.5 million as of the end of 2021. Could have said 2001 then for some reason. And then Sony blasting them both out of the water. So this combines PS4 and PS5 sales, 151.4 million. So yeah, quite a lot more. So this seems to come off the back of the, not the backlash, but the the probing of certain countries into the Activision buyout that they did fairly recent, well, fairly recently, a few months ago. And a bit closer home, the UK government has also asked put the public opinion as to how we feel about the acquisition. Now, there is a .gov website where you can put your opinion across. Um, but on there, there's also this statement that was issued that sets out the scope of the inquiry. It outlines the initial theories on what might be adversely affecting competition, because that's what a lot of these governing bodies are talking about. Like, is it that they're buying this out, going to monopolise the gaming space? Yes or no? And that's one of the reasons why Microsoft's finally come out and given us these figures to give us the install to try and kind of mitigate this conversation. But the deadline for submissions on issues for this statement is the 28th of October. So if you do want to have your say as a UK citizen, then you can. But I'd, to be honest, I don't think any of this is going to stop it from going through. It's going to happen at some point because I know something similar happened in Brazil fairly recently with their their financial board. We've got ours and obviously in the US they've got their own. So, But you're not, not going to stop the Microsoft juggernaut from doing what they want to do. I'd like to see those numbers being broken down for mm. uh, Sony and Microsoft. So I can't yeah. think. I'd, I'd like to see what PS5 maybe. What versus the series like, X? Maybe like the yeah. Maybe, I would, I would, I would certainly put PS5 probably ahead. I would say it's probably about maybe at the 50, 60 million mark. For PS5. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought it were that many just yet. Well, what was it? Tall, tall combined was 160 million. 151. 151. Okay, maybe around the 35, 40 million then, perhaps. Apparently around 21 billion PS5s have been sold. Billion? 21 billion? Yes, 21 billion. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I heard you say. Everybody <laughs> gets the million. <laughs> it was like million. 21 billion. Jesus. <laughs> really, only 21? I thought it might have started to pick up pace coming into this year. But... Well, I think they're still fairly difficult to find, aren't they? 
I suppose in that instance, because I think Xbox has been a little bit more easier to find. I think Xbox might be in front. Probably, because for this generation, you've got to count S and X, haven't you? True. True, yeah. I just I just don't think any, any of this is going to make any difference. No, I agree. I don't think it will either. Mm. We'll see. Call of Duty seems to be the sticking point for Sony. Well, keeping it to the UK... Um, I think I spoke about this team before on a previous podcast, but there is a, there's a team that's making a, a very ambitious Fallout 4 mod uh, that's called Fallout London. I think we might have, I think I might have spoke it, spoke about it previous that some of their writers actually got nabbed by uh, Bethesda for I suppose how much good work they might be doing on this. I'm not too sure. But the team came out recently and said. Um, due to the recent passing of the Queen, they would be removing their, I suppose, Fallout take on the, the royal family from the game, out of respect. They do have a video out about it where they've got concept art of... They've made, like, a ghoulish version of, like, the Queen and Char- uh, <laughs> Charles, which is quite funny. And she, she's got a little, like, Kogas as well, like zombie, zombie dogs. Um... <laughs> I think they should keep it out of respect. Well, apparently, when they first started making this mod, they it was they they made sort of like a a commitment that like sort of if this was if this was to ever happen, the queen was to pass, then they would remove um, sort of this content from their mod. So, which I think is a bit of a shame because I don't I don't see what the harm would well. I suppose I could see what the harm would have been, seeing as, you know, Queen's past, now here we've got a zombie queen. <laughs> it looked amazing. I love it. Have you seen it? Have you picked it up? Charles looked quite quite fine, actually. But, um, yeah, a bit of a shame, but I can see the out of respect for what they've done. I love the cork. It's still rabid. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon the hands around the Queen's neck are Camilla's? I reckon so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and on that note. Okay, shall I finish with one news that'll make you go, where? Actually, no, it isn't. It's just, it's just something cool. Okay, so um, a guy called Sam Cheers has made yet another port of 1993's Doom in the oh, long God. line of obscure ports of the game. Do you know what he managed to port it to this time? A Snickers bar. No, but I like you thinking. <laughs> to be fair, I did Maybe see that's that the future. somewhere around. Uh, I saw a meme of it, so I thought, yeah. is it that? <laughs> uh, where else could it be from? He's ported Doom within Doom. <laughs> Ooh, that, that would be Doom Doomception. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's just like, there's just like, a, there's just like a, a PC screen that you find in a room that you think you play Doom in. Why are you already playing Doom? <laughs> uh, no, it's... If ported it to Windows Notepad. Windows Note? What? Yes. It's now be ported to Windows Notepad. And I've seen How? footage of this, and it is extraordinary. It runs at 60 FPS. What? Take that, yeah. Gotham Knights. Yeah, what's going on there? <laughs> and apparently after a bit more polish, it's going to be released publicly. In fact, it might, it might already be out there, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to have to have a look for this. Oh, it looks gorgeous. It's very difficult to understand what's actually going on, but what? 
it is, it is you can see it working it does hurt my eyes a bit when i look at it too much yeah it does yeah it's <laughs> it is hard to look at oh god but does never cease no so we've had it on a pregnancy test oh yeah i remember oh. seeing that. <laughs> and i guess that's it for the news sure we want to what we're currently playing yes yeah. uh slash stop. Yeah, go on, Mark. Do the honours. Uh, I'm probably not going to be able to talk a great deal about this because I've only recently just started it. But uh, I finally started it, Nath. Forza Horizon 5. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you enjoying it so far? I am, for the most part. So, mm. so yeah, so this is obviously set in Mexico. Um, and I think you remember, I think you mentioned this, didn't you? Where it's pretty co- got a pretty cool opening where you just, like, airdropped into the game environments so you're just like throwing out an airplane and then you'd land and then you're just going to do some driving and stuff and then they do it obviously there's like four or five of them in there yeah so yeah. basically you're getting a taster of different car types and things like that I, d- I don't understand why they keep referring to you as superstar like you're so supposed to be somebody amazing that you've not actually done anything yeah I, but i think they're bringing your character in from other forza games where you've actually done stuff yeah, but I wasn't that big there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap, then! Oh crap, now. <laughs> but I bought the um the fancy ultimate edition pack, but version whatever it's called. I don't bloody know. What it's so called. did did you have about a hundred wheel spins to do then? No, but I had like forty three cars. Oh nice. Which is annoying because you have to go claim them individually. Yeah. So that takes a good hour or two. Well, you love the admin, though, don't you, Mark? So I do, because yeah. every time every time I collected one, I would then choose the paint job, and that was painstaking as well. Yeah, having a look at like other people's designs, some good, awful lot of anime ones though. I don't understand why people do a heck of a lot of anime yeah. paint jobs on their cars. I've got a Lamborghini uh, Merchilago with like the Akatsuki, um cloak on it. It's fantastic. I love it. The the the, the what? Your 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 second favorite anime, Mark Naruto. It's um it's an organized crime syndicate from from there. So right, okay. But one thing I didn't realize till I found out yesterday is that you can there's a you get a free car unlock token, so you can actually use it to purchase any car you want in the entire game. So of course I went looking for the most expensive car in the game and it turns out it's the 1955 mercedes-benz 300 slr which is 143 million credits blooming heck so of course i had that oh yeah naturally but apparently that's that's the um they they've included that game because that is actually the most expensive car that's been sold in the world in real life yeah because I think that was a, was a racing car that was in, was it Le Mans? I can't remember, I've got that wrong. But yeah, and that and it sold for $143 million, so they just, yeah. just replicated that in-game. I have to say, it's not actually a great car, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think. They never are generally the expensive ones. To be honest, I, I struggled to scrape $4 million together to get my Bugatti Veyron. I put, yeah. a, I, I put a police skin on that one, like a police car skin. Yeah, I managed to do earlier today. I managed to do the Goliath run. Mm. Have we done that? So, Probably. So that was the first major race. Where you go, you basically you go around the entire map. Oh yeah, yeah. 
It took about 12 minutes. It felt like forever. <laughs> but I was actually struggling on that for quite a while. The, 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 two, the two leaders at the front were just blitzing everyone. And I don't even know how I managed to catch them up eventually. But I think it's scripted. Because when it you do some is. of these races, they do make them go in front and then you somehow get back into it. Like by literally a millisecond you end up winning. It's, yeah. it's, it's like them train races. On, yeah, the, sh- uh, the showcases are scripted, yeah. you can tell that. Yeah. But I've not come across one of them in this game. I hope they exist. Yeah, there are ones like that, that right, right, that's, that's a bit more grandeur, yeah. Yeah, because I've not come across them yet. Have you done the one where you have to go to a volcano yet and pick up samples and stuff? Yes, I've done that, yeah. yes. I enjoyed yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was kind of hoping that the volcano would be, like, chasing us, like, oh, yeah. the lava would be coming down afterwards. Well, no, it didn't happen. But I, I have to say, I don't think Mexico is that interesting an environment. It's, or, it's colourful. Maybe when you go into some towns, it's really nice. Or maybe I've not explored enough. I don't know. But is 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 the formula becoming a bit stale now? Do you think? I don't know. I enjoy it. Collecting cars, driving around. I am enjoying I'll... it, but in the end, it just feels like it's the exact same game, but just a different mm. place. There doesn't seem to be any innovations anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't. There's no innovation anywhere. Yeah, I think definitely after Horizon 4, it is a little bit copy and paste because you've still got your barn finds, you've still got all your different race types, all your different vehicle types. It is very samey. I'll I'll agree with that, yeah. That's it. Quite a few of the barn finds aren't exciting. No, they're they're rubbish. I don't (laughs) like them. Not as good as they were in 4. But I do like the the whole gift thing. I did get gifted a... uh, some I can't remember the name of it. Some sort of like four by four Jeep thing. It's actually pretty good. Mm. Although it had like a US flags on it, so I had to go and change that. Get them stripped off. Yeah. Get that union jack on. <laughs> I just got um like the you know the um the Mexico logo that's in the game. It's got like all colourful and all that. I got a paint job that had that on the side. It's quite yeah. nice. I got you get some free homes by having the ultimate edition as well. So I've got this grand via in the centre and then one on the coast but no overall you know I'm quite liking it but it's just it's, it's just becoming a bit more the same I just yeah I think they need to start doing something a bit different I think I think 4 was a better environment to drive around so far I, I think with 4 there's some places that I've actually been to so it was really nice to see that in game yeah it might be a slight bias the fact that we're in the UK so maybe that's the thing but I've just come across a lot of desert. That's pretty much yeah. it. One of the things that I didn't really like, because I, I like conservation, and as you know, as you play the game, you can choose different areas to open up the yeah. Horizon Festival to. And they'll pick this beautiful location with woodland and rainbows and waterfalls, bulldoze that down, <laughs> and yeah. have a rave there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, nothing stops for the Horizon train. It's just like, it's like, it's like, as a concept, it's just weird that like everyone on the radio is like big on this Horizon Festival. Even though you're, you're plowing around ruining the environment by smashing through walls and all that. It's like, hey, welcome to the Horizon <laughs> Festival. This is great. That's it. You go to these <laughs> Aztec ruins. <laughs> well, and yeah, they can even smash. Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doing jumps off them. So. <laughs> No, the, the, the Horizon games are good. I think it's just 
Same formula, isn't it? Yeah, I think they just need to start trying something a bit different. Although how how they do that, I don't know. I just don't. Because in the end, in the end, it is just an open world racing game, isn't it? But yeah, that's that's all I've really been playing. So Matthew, what are you play? What have I been playing? Um, so nothing much different from the last time, really. Um, if I was to go through my very short list. So I've been continuing my playthrough of Borderlands. Um, I think where I left off last time was I'd... Is this where you were, like, in perpetual death? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, not perpetual death, but I'd glitched a mission um, where I, I basically just can't complete it now, so I can't, right. I can't technically finish off that DLC um, unless one of you guys kindly catches up to me which is probably not gonna happen so uh <laughs> it, it will be me i'll tell you that oh well maybe, maybe borderlands too um <laughs> so i moved on to the uh claptrap's new robot revolution dlc i think i had um and i've got that finished so the that ended quite nice. It was it was a nice little DLC. I don't, I don't think I think it was it was probably the shortest out of the three. Not um, mentioning um, Mox's underground stuff because I can't bother to do that stuff. It's like round based hordes of wave, uh, waves of hordes, I should say, um, and you get nothing for it really. So I kind of ignored that, finished the Claptrap 1, really enjoyed that, and was dedicated enough to playing this game that I ended up, will it be my first this year? I'm not sure. I can't remember, but it's been a very long time since I picked up a Platinum Trophy. So there it is. I've now Platinumed Borderlands. Mm. Uh, shut up, you. Well, I feel, I feel like it, <laughs> Fine. I feel like, I feel like it's our first platinum this year. I don't know. I can't. I can't think. It can't it, be. It don't feel like it. No, it doesn't. I'm sure on this pod you mentioned you've got platinum or something. Feels like every other week you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I probably have, but it it does feel like it's it's been a long time since I last platinum something. Um, so there's that. I mean, I I really enjoy the Borderlands series. Always enjoyed the first game as much. I think it's. I mean, I've only played this one and two, and like between them, like the second one is infinitely better to my mind. So maybe we could, we could start play play through on there, maybe, and then Nathan can get ahead and and we'll just drop that one. Uh, <laughs> To be fair, my other idea is just to skip all the way to three, because then at least that like scales to everyone's level, so you don't have to feel like you're left behind, sort of thing, at least on that one. Um, I, I think, think the market was more the, being physically left behind rather than left behind. Well, yeah, level. probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, chaps, I've got this. I mean, it, oh, no, right, you're gone. <laughs> so I can see, I your, I can see your little dots in the distance. <laughs> so. 
I think the the worst bit for me when we played with you, Mark, is that me and Matt was fairly high level in comparison to you when we first started. So when we went through to that boss that beat you, we just like took him out in like four seconds. Yeah. Four seconds. Just when it was I, I, did, I did feel bad. I was like, I'll 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 let Mark fight it. And uh, I think I just ended up throwing Bloodwing by the end of anyway. I was like, oh, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm sure I just rocket launched him for like hey, 450 damage. All right. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I was running towards him and then suddenly he was just blowing it, uh, his boots in front of me. <laughs> I least had the, you know, the Skag Dogs to fight anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So... Maybe maybe, we'll, maybe maybe we'll go back to Borderlands. I don't know. Sounds like it's not gonna happen now. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, that's Borderlands. Uh, the only other game that I've been playing the last two weeks has been Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, getting more into that now. Getting through. I'm, I I've been finding myself mainly doing a lot of the side missions, kind of ignoring the main missions. But that's just kind of sort of that's just credit to how good side missions are yeah it's kind of what i ended up doing they are pretty good um so uh i think i think my favorite one has been the the delamain one that that was a that's a treat that's a really good treat um i'll not spoil what happens in it but I, i did get to the end point where you have you meant to have two choices, but I didn't have enough intelligence points to pick the second option, which I'm a bit disappointed about now. Because like, so I did I did the first one, and a certain character got not too happy with what I, what I chose. But I was like, well, that's the only choice I've got. And I've actually I've read upon like what would the other choice give you, and it's like there's not much difference. Like you still get um the same. Uh, reward out of it if you pick both options but like the second one you get extra sort of dialogue options as you sort of play around in the world which I'm a bit disappointed like not getting now so I was I was thinking of like going back to a previous save and just like leaving it there and I'll, like, I'll come back until I've got the intelligence points but it's like no I'll I'll, I'll trot on I'll um I'll probably end up playing like a second playthrough of this at some point trying different stuff but um no, re- really enjoying my, my time in Night City. Um, the city is very beautiful. It's very... Mm. I really like the design of, of everything. Um, I'm starting to find myself... I'm, I'm like, walking to places now rather than just... Yeah. Getting so into I'd, vehicles all the time. It's like, I very sparingly have used fast travel. Yeah, I, I use everywhere. fast travel if I, if I feel it's too far. Like, when I was I was collecting the, the tarot cards... Or one of the missions, and the, all of them are dotted really far distance, like somewhere in like the far badlands. Yeah. Like those ones, I couldn't really fast travel because I'd not unlocked the fast travel form yet. So once I did get there and unlocked it, I started going to the other places fast travel because that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to click cards, get out of it, and done. Yeah. Um, but everything else, I've been like trying to, I suppose, take in the sea life and like get a feel for like the different things that can happen when you're just walking around like you're always bumping into police incidents all the time so you have to like help um take the um the fogs out there um definitely been enjoying it a lot more now that i've found a um 
a bunny glitch that I've been using. Oh yeah. Um, which is a bit, it was a bit different to yours. So like, I think I recall you, you'd end up unlocking a um, like a legendary crafting weapon, didn't you? I found was... something. I found something else now. Unless it's the same thing you're thinking now. But carry on. Oh, it, it could be a mine that I'm thinking. So I, I've watched quite a few videos of it. It's basically when you go to sell something, um, primarily something if like say it's your drunk junk or something. So you'd be like, I don't know, let's say five junk that you can get rid of. You can um, say you want to sell this. I want to sell four of the five junk. Yeah, this is yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is the same. Probably the same this thing. is the, the dupe then, glitch. Yeah. Yeah. And then. What you do then is before you confirm it, you have to put your cursor over the the item that you've just selected to go and sell. Depending on what you're playing on, is if say if you play on PlayStation, you hold X on the item and you click square to confirm the sale. And so the sale goes through, but then it sort of pops back up again straight after. And you've yeah. got like you can then select like the full set again, even though you've technically only got one in your inventory but then yeah. it goes in as like being duplicated so now you've you've now you've got like you've suddenly sold nine and you can bring that back um for like the original price of like the four that you sold yeah, yeah. so you can keep on doing that um and then you can sort of then use your junk around to sort of go into other vendors like going to a, a ripper dock and saying like i want those um Pincers for like 50k, get that, and then you can sort of continue duplicating your junk with the doctor to the point where you you can then sell every like this one set of junk for like all the money that he's just had from you plus his original amount as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. So doing that, I've been like I've been trying to upgrade like as much as I can for like my character and and stuff. So like now I've got like you know I've got the um. Mantis arms that are pretty mm. fun to use. Oh, they are cool. Like just, sure. just like dashing in, just like picking some guy up and just like slicing them in half. That's great. Uh, <laughs> and then there's some other like upgrades that I've got and stuff. But it's it's really made the, the game a little bit more enjoyable because I felt there's like there's certain areas that still felt a bit too power like too dangerous to be in. Mm. Um, even like weapon wise, but. So doing this, I feel like the the game's at its best when it makes you feel powerful, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. You feel like you can do whatever you want and stuff. So, so I I did all that and I went to do like a main another main mission where I ended up coming against this like really like massive guy with like massive muscle and stuff and he's just like trying to pummel your face off and I can imagine like if I had none of these upgrades I'd probably die pretty quickly. Um, but now I've got these upgrades. I'm like, it's still a bit of a challenge. Like, it's not like not just killed the challenge completely, but it it took a while to take him down. But I eventually took him down. I had to use like some health and stuff. But it's it's, it's pretty fun. I, I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying the, the the story as well. Really enjoy the characters, side missions. Like I said, um, most of them have got a lot of character and depth to them, and a lot of fun. Um, I just I just like nice seeing as well. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I've been playing. How about yourself, Nathan? Yeah, so 
I'll I'll get into some something quick first. So the first thing that I've been playing, obviously, a bit more FIFA 23. So got my career <laughs> mode, and I uh, got Sheffield went into the championship. We are competing, which is good. But I've got a couple of tough games coming up, a couple of local derbies. So my next match is going to be Sheffield United at home. And then after that, I've got Leeds away. So pretty tough competition, but we'll see how that goes. I think at the minute I'm second in division. Made some shrewd acquisitions in the summer, so that's going well. So that's that. The next game that I played and I've completed, not not platinum because I'm I'm not about that life, um, is Stray. Hey. Oh, this was absolutely delightful. Absolutely loved it. I did I've I did tear up twice while playing it as well. So okay. just a bit, just <laughs> full disclaimer. Once at the, near the beginning and once at the end. Okay. Um, I'll I'll. I'll talk about the bit the the start because it kind of gets into the game and and kind of pushes what happens. But the um, as the game starts, you you are your cat, unnamed cat, ginger thing, cute thing, um, as Mark said with its cat gang, yep. and you can interact the with pussy each squad. Other cats. Let's get it right. The posse squad, yeah. And you can interact with them also. You can go up to one of them and have like a play fight and rub, and then rub up against other ones. And then as you inter- interact with each of the pussy squad, they all curl up around a box and then you go to sleep, wake up, and then the adventure begins. So early on, it's all about learning the mechanics. So the movement of the cat and um, how to jump and, and traverse the world that you're in. And then as you're doing that, eventually you jump onto a pipe and it breaks and the cats are hanging on. And honestly, at this at this moment, I've got PTSD about Lion King. Do you know the bit where Mufasa yeah, dies? I, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. then the cat like falls and goes down this this um, cavern, I'd say, into into the sewers and it wakes up with and it starts limping. I'm like, oh, no, d- don't do this to me. That's all I'm thinking of this bit is, what if it won a mine? And then I got really upset. And oh, um, no. anyway, the cat goes back to sleep, wakes up, perfect health. Like a honey yeah, badger, it, really. Yeah, it was a miraculous <laughs> recovery. Yeah. yeah. I thought, let me know what we're doing here. And then eventually you find yourself into in the slums and, and you go through the world itself. Which is absolutely gorgeous. and It's a beautiful world, isn't it? It is. And you just want to explore every nook and cranny of it as well. Every building you go into, every flat that you find, which you do get to do in, in these hub areas as you go through and, and play the game. But I think, as, as Mark said, there's so many cat things you can do, so you can jump on tables and knock everything over. There is, there is one bit in the game where you find this library. And you can just knock all the books over in the library and be an absolute douchebag of a cat. And um, you can scratch everything. So you can scratch wallpaper. You can scratch the carpets and pad it. Pad it. I, to be honest, a lot of the time, I just spent my time doing that for ages. And what's really nice about it, you get because you've got the haptic feedback on the triggers, you do get that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. You just, you just feel feel like a cat. It's It's great. And in terms of all the other characters around it, so 
you do have a um a, a robot that comes with you and does it's kind of that this robot does the communicating so b12 is its name and you find out about what happened to it and and what it actually is as you play the game but i won't give that away but in essence b12 communicates with the robot inhabitant of the world and then you read that so that's how you understand what's going on and um Oh, but it's just it's just great to find out the stories of these robots because it is post-apocalyptic. So that's why this world is run by and and have been taken over by robots. But they've got their own dynamics and their own hopes and their own dreams. And as you go into these hub areas, so I think the first one's called like the slums or something, you can go around and and speak to these people. So for example, there's a, a musician, but there's no music to play. So you have to go and find records, and then you can give her, give her the records to play. And some of those That's are absolutely really fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And there's other things that you won't even think of fit into the game. So there, there were one point where I was doing these kind of like side quests. So I found this wire so that I can make this tunic. But down the line, I had to give it to somebody to keep them warm so they could do a bit of coding work for me, for example. And I, I never realised it would fit into that. I thought the tunic was for me, being the cat. And I'm like trying to put it on, but I couldn't. I'm like, oh, this is bull crap. <laughs> I want clothes too. Um, but it turned out it was for somebody else. So, yeah, I totally understand that. But when you're in these hub areas, you do just want to explore because you can jump jump onto the rooftops and and do pretty much whatever you want. But there are there are bits in the game where you can, uh, for example, you'll find a bag and you'll put the bag on your head. So it blinds the cat, but it changes the control. So the invert, so it's yeah. <laughs> sort of really difficult to know where you're going. I thought that was a really cool moment as well. Um, what else? Oh, was, oh God. I was just going to say, I just want to mention the, the satisfaction of when you just go to sleep. Yeah. The purring can, sound. Yeah, because you can find different places where you can sleep and it pans out and you can relax. And again, the haptic feedback plays in plays into this because the controller pairs as well yeah so you can actually feel it and it's just really nice and it you know, plays like, this nice music and you know it's actually one of the trophies it's just sleep for an hour really yeah oh i didn't know yeah so i just put it on and just left it <laughs> fair dues <laughs> is that one of the gold ones or is that i don't know I don't know mm. but yeah yeah it's um and if you go off the B and track, um, what you have to do as part of the game is try and recover some of B12's memories. Um, so there's things to find from that point of view. And there's some ingenious things that you find as you go through the game, finding these memories and where they've hidden them. Oh, it's, it's just fantastic. Honestly, if I could erase my memory and play it all again, I would, because it just seems too short. I think for me, I, I completed it in just over six hours, which... Not the quickest, because I did try and take my time and explore things yeah. and, and do what I could. I, I could probably maybe do it in two or three if I really wanted to try and well, speed you, run Because Well, speed run it was one of the trophies as well, wasn't it? The speed run, do it in under two I think hours. It's do it in under, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, I don't think I've got much of a chance of that, but yeah. It, it, it is just a, jo- a joy to play and a fantastic experience. I, I don't want to get into any spoilers or anything, but in terms of like pure gameplay, just just everything about it, it's, it's great. It's, this is what we need more of. Like, the, as I know I said it's too short, 
but some of these six to 12 hour experiences that are just fantastic yeah it is terrific it is terrific yeah i i had to wait for it to come out physically otherwise i wouldn't have played it but to be honest i did forget because i only got it a few days after it came out physically but um yeah i'm glad i finally got it and played it lisa's playing it at the minute so she's she's giving it a go but uh yeah anyway on to another game that i've been eagerly waiting for that i'd actually did get on release day a plague's tale requiem so i'm i'm not too far into this yet because it only came out about four days ago well it only came out seven days ago as of the person of this podcast but what can i say about this Oh, I just love it so much. I, I love the first one. I, I, was concer- I was concerned that you were going to say, oh, I, do, I don't like it. Oh, it's crap, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I do I enjoy it. Um, it's the continuation of uh, Missy and Hugo's journey. Um, basically, the way it starts is what happens is Hugo's got this thing in his blood called the macula that allows him to control and the all these rats that have come in via the plague. And basically, he's gone to the next stage of whatever is happening to him and he's gonna die so we had to go and find this um alchemist for him to kind of look over hugo so that was kind of the first bit of the game like getting to this city called red city finding the alchemist and then him basically condemning hugo but hugo's been having these dreams of this island with this um phoenix and this kind of pool of water and stuff so you think maybe if we can get to this island, we can try and save him. So that's kind of the the start of the game, like you saying, right, we need to get to this island to try and save Hugo because otherwise he'll die pretty much. And that's that's it. You're off on your adventure from then. But I just really, it, it's bleak and it's in a lot of ways it's very horrible, but I, I do really like the setting because it's, it's like middle ages France that you're going through. So there's some kind of really beautiful, colourful towns that you can go through. But on the other hand, it's full of dead bodies because of the plague. But I love that as well. Love the dead bodies. Oh, so this is one you want smell-o-vision for. Yeah, this, that's it. Yeah, to be honest, that's what I thought about when I was like, <laughs> oh, it'd be great to, to smell a rotting pig. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, like I don't... Rats. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Millions of wet rats. Uh, but um, yeah, that's 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 it so far. I think how long have I been playing it? Maybe four or five hours because I've not not much chance to dedicate to it yet. But it's it's pretty much in terms of the gameplay. It's more of the same as the first one in terms of the puzzle elements, the stealth elements. Which suppose I don't really like much much of the stealth stuff. I'd rather just kill everybody. But sometimes you've got to sneak around if you can. One thing I've found is that if you are in a place with tons of enemies, you can run around them and get to the point where it does like a mini cutscene to get you through the door. So sometimes you can get away with just doing that. And there's been a few times where I've got a bit annoyed with it, where I've cleared like the rats away from a particular room and I feel that I've managed to get through, but one of them's nabbed me and then I've ended up being consumed by the rats but anyway got past that in the end but yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far 
and uh, I just can't wait to get through it and get it completed. But I think that's the first game I bought on launch for probably about five years because I used to get FIFA on launch. And then, well, now I just say that I'm not going to do it. And then a few days later, I give in. <laughs> Willpower. It's near enough launch. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's that's the next thing that I'm looking to complete. Then I'll move on to that. Because you guys have been talking about it. I do want to get onto Cyberpunk again. I've got the upgraded version for the Xbox Series X. So, yeah, get back onto that at some point. But, yeah, that's all I've been playing. Chubum on to the Video Game Hall of Fame. Yep. Yeah. It's been a while. It has been a while, that's for sure. <laughs> so this is where we take a look at one of our favourite games, and it ducks it into our pantheon of games we feel deserve special recognition. Our Duxy this episode was released on the PlayStation, first in Japan in 1996, and then internationally the following year. Developed by Nana Oncha and published by Sony Computer Entertainment, it's Parappa the Rapper. What a dog. Yeah, what a dog, I guess. <laughs> so, Parappa the Rapper is a... I believe it was the very first rhythm action game. Really? Hmm. Is that why it's so difficult? Very well. Uh, you play as the titular Parappa, an anthropomorphic dog, who is vying for the affections of Sonny Funner, an anthropomorphic sunflower, who hangs around his, in like his social circle. And... So he follows Parappa through... A series of social scenarios which he tackles by taking part in six rap battles. Yeah. We know what rhythm action games are nowadays, don't we? It's just you follow the button prompt. So the thing at the top, the button goes along at it. You have to press the button, the correct button at the correct time. Yeah. In sequence. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much it. It's a 3D game, but all the characters were flat, weren't they? That was yeah, quite the, amusing. Yeah. The <laughs> cutscenes were kind of in 3D, but then... The actual, the gameplay was more 2D. As, well, because of the piece of paper, aren't they? So. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like, Looney Tunes characters where Bugs Bunny runs over them, like in a steamroller. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Um, but there's two game modes. There's, so you've got normal and you've got easy mode. Now, Wish I'd found that one out sooner. Well, I've got <laughs> something to tell you, Nathan. I'm not if... going to be able to get past the third um, bit, am I? Yeah. Once you complete the third level, that's it. You can't continue. I don't know why they've done that. I, I, I just find that really odd. It's like, which? It's strange, isn't it? So, like, easy mode only goes so far? Yeah, easy mode only goes to the third level. Oh. After, you've done, after you've done the third level, that's it. You can't, you can't carry on. It's really odd. But should we, should we just run through the game? Because it's, it's got a very exciting plot. Yeah. So we start with uh, Parappa and his mates at the cinema, don't we? Is that, uh, I always remember where to put this game on. It's... it's the first thing that happens is that du, 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 du. they're watching the was it Jet Baby? Yeah, that's, yeah. When Jet Baby flies. <laughs> so they go to the cinema. They enjoyed this thing, this film, and then they leave to go to this burger joint, don't they? And then we're, we're introduced to the gang. So of course, Parappa, Sonny, but then we've got P.J. Berry, a lazy and often filthy bear, and then we've got Katie Cat, just a cat. <laughs> Basically. Now, Parappa is, is one for daydreaming quite a bit, isn't it? Yeah. So when they're ordering his, the food, he's daydreaming about Sonny, of course. And then he just accidentally orders water. And then as they're sitting eating the food, a pair of bullies walk in. And one of them tries to chat Sonny up. And then insults the rest of them. 
and she tells them to stop. And then the antagonist of the whole piece turns up, doesn't it? It's Joe Chin. Joe Chin. <laughs> There's no need to fear because Joe Chin is here. He's a he's a complete prat. Uh, but we'll get to him. So this dude, he's another anthropomorphic dog, isn't he? Yeah. But um, he's built like a brick sh- dog house. A brick chin house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's got he's got the hots for Sonny as well, and he begins to babble coherently towards these uh these bullies, thinking he's he's the dog's doodars. And then the gang wander off because they're just sick of hearing him before. <laughs> and then but rappers rappers just like still sat there, and he he comes to the conclusion that he needs to become a hero in order to protect Sonny's honor. Yeah. Ah. So what's he got to do? He's got to believe. And then, because that leads us to the the first level in the game, isn't it? So he decides Holy. to take, yeah, he decides to take a martial arts class with, led by Chop Chop Master Rudian at the Fruit Sturgeo. Now, for me personally, the Parappa the Rapper was the very first. It actually was the very first PlayStation game I ever played. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. And wow. it is terrible as the first game to ever play because you don't know the button layout. <laughs> <laughs> I had so much trouble the first time I ever played it. It's, I was probably like you, Nathan, not being able to get yeah. the first level. To, to be honest, I I still to this day have to keep reminding myself where circle and square is. I've got X and triangle <laughs> down, L and R. You've got fine. you've got X you've got well, X and triangle yeah, down. Yeah. No, well, you haven't. Of course I have. No, you haven't. I'm afraid. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't know where the circle button is. Bye. <laughs> Shall we go through some of the lyrics here? So a kick punch is all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'm sure you'll find. The things I'll teach you is sure to beat you. Nevertheless, you'll get a lesson I'll teach you now. Kick, blah, blah, blah. Don't get cocky. It's going to get rocky. We're going to move down to the next year jockey now. I mean, it rhymes, I guess. Lyrical genius from the onion there. Yeah, <laughs> mm, Yeah, I see you're getting better. Kick to the limit in order to get her now. Is he referring to Sonny there? It's going to get harder now. Come Did on now. Harder. Yeah. Come on now, why don't you follow my words? Because we're almost done. I'll make it easy at first. I want to see if you want to see what it means to be the man with the master plan. Are you the man now? I quite like that, though. <laughs> That's quite cool, though. <laughs> Did you ever notice what happened if you pressed the wrong button? They have those little characters pop out. Like the oh, yeah, the little ones. Yeah. yeah. And things like that. And do you know what? <laughs> do you ever see what happens when you get, if you ever achieved cool status? I've never been cool, so. Don't know about well, that. Well, Chop Chop would kick the, the, the walls down and just, like, blast off into the sky. <laughs> well, then, following that, obviously, we return to Joe Chin. He's still babbling in the restaurant. Uh, now, the, now the restaurant's now empty because everyone's bugging off for the night. Um, and the gang, uh, so the gang go outside enjoying the, the day out in the sun, eating the ice cream, and they decide to go visit the beach. Well, it's quite a long way away, and they've got no car to get there. So surely, I mean, surely there's bus and taxi services, I would have thought. But anyway. So then this massive red, like, vinyl panther seat covered open stretch limo rocks up, doesn't it? And who steps out of it? Joe Chin. Yes. Parappa's arch nemesis, Joe Chin. Trying to play up his, like, his cool dude facade. I mean, he is a cool dude, isn't he? If I had a hot tub in my car, I'd be cool as well. What I understand is that he said that the car is capable of leaping over... Uh, he's capable of leaping over tall buildings on a single bound. What? It's a car. What's he on about? I don't know. 
It's Superman. So he asks the girls if they want to go on to the beach with him. And Sonny says, sure, as long as they can all go. Uh, Joe concedes and tells the ladies to sit up front with him and tells the two blokes to sit at the back, like just behind the exhaust. <laughs> like blowing the face. And then he reverses into the donut shop, knocking him unconscious. But yeah, but then Prepper goes into another one of his daydreams. Imagine himself driving Sonny around. In a flying car. Yeah, in a flying car. And he decides to take his driving test with Instructor Mussolini. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Mussolini. <laughs> All right, we're here. Just sitting in the car. I want you to show me if you can get far. Step on the gas. Da, da, da. When I say boom, 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 you say bam, bam, bam. No pause in between. Come on, let's jam. That's the way you learn to drive. I'm glad you know which way to go, but it ain't going to stop me. Here we go. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. Stop the car. We got an emergency car. You say. I'll be honest. I didn't understand why Inspector Mussolini was dressed up like a police officer. I know. Why is the police officer giving you driving lessons? Yeah. I've never seen a driving instructor with a uniform. How do you wear a skirt? Hey, ho. That's a woman. Is it? I thought we'd do Yes. It's a woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Breaking boundaries. <laughs> but did you know this song This song actually sampled a real song from 1971 called Turtles Have Short Legs? Excuse me? By a band called Cam. Yeah. Look it up. Let's go to my <laughs> Spotify playlist. Turtles with short legs. Hmm. So, having earned his license, Parappa nicks his dad's car and goes and picks up the gang. And Prepper's having the time of his life. Uh, PJ Berry, sleep in the back. Blow his snot out of his nose, if I remember right. Um, as he's dreaming about French fries. And then, in a weird thing, Prepper does like a somersault off a cliff in the car. And he starts to get a bit complacent, doesn't he? And during the ride, he begins to have one of his fantasies again. So he's imagining him and Sonny, like, sat having a romantic drink. And then he's imagining just about to kiss her. And then suddenly a lorry comes and goes straight into the car, wrecks the car. I don't know how any of them survive, to be quite yeah. honest. I was going to say, Parappa <laughs> died. That's the end of the game. But yeah, so he says, like, how he's going to pay for this car that he's just ruined, his dad's car. He's got to believe. So he takes up a job. He decides to go and be a salesman at a flea market Good luck. with the help of Prince Flea Swallow. Now, for me, I think this was the, my favourite level. Because this was the, like, the reggae level. But it's got one of the most ridiculous lyrics in the whole game. Listen to this. It says, I'm working in the flea market so early. I've been working here since my mama was a baby. <laughs> oh, How's I heard about this. Yeah, I heard about this line. Like, wait, what? what? Just because the rhythm is slow, that don't mean that you can't flow. In the rain or in the snow, got the got the funky flow. All you ever need is to be nice and friendly. Remember, strike it rich, the key is love. Save everybody from way up above. The things he's got, I think, I don't know. I can sell a bottle cap like this. You can sell a bottle cap like this. I never dreamt it would be like this. I am the number one ruler of the seven seas. They're just making stuff up now. They've got to have been <laughs> on something when they wrote these. The skunk over here will bring you luck. All right. Yep. The the pump over here comes with a truck. Now surely you'd sell the truck Ew. with the pump, not the other way around. 
oh yes, I had a lot, a lot of fun. I made a lot of books and now I'm on the run. It's sound that skunk. Yeah. Ha ha ha, let me tell you something that I never tell you before. Listen to this. I've never sold everything, everything. You have never sold everything, everything. Money, money, money is all you need. Well, yeah, because it is. But, you know, if if um if you finish this on cool, well, well if you complete the game on, like, normal, no, sorry, complete the level on good, you just get your, your standard car. But if you finish it on cool, it gets a flashy, like, red sports car for his dad. I don't know if his dad would want that one, but that's what he gets. Of course he does midlife crisis, that's what he wants. <laughs> but he managed to buy that after like five minutes work somehow, I don't know. But it's 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 coming up to Sonny's birthday. The rest of the gang plan a birthday party for mm. And they, they decide, it, decide who does what through a game of what they call Janken. I've only ever heard it referred as Janken in this game. Never anywhere else, which is basically rock, paper, scissors. Right. So Katie Cat gets to set the party up, PJ Berry gets the present, and Parappa is left to get the cake. So he heads to the cake shop and he spots a lovely like daisy shaped cake. Very nice, very simple. Mm-hmm. And then he what he buys it, once is outside, and he's greeted, of course, by Joe Chin. <laughs> yet again. Yeah. He's always there. And then he's he's he starts showing off his cake that he's got for Sonny. And it's 42 layers high. It's just this oh, wow. massive cake that he starts babbling on about how each layer represents something in his relationship with Sonny. <laughs> but he says cheerio to Parappa, slaps him on the back, but that sends Parappa tumbling over to the ground and he drops his cake. Ruins it. So what's he got to do? He's got to believe. So he decides to bake the cake himself. Okay. Uh, so then he goes and he goes home and watches Cheap Cheap the cooking chicken and is making a seafood cake. Mm. Which I have to say sounds disgusting. It does sound horrible. You know what I'm saying? I would not want that for my birthday. But I would still try it. I think this is why the regard is possibly the most difficult level in the whole game. It was so tough this level. Every single day, stress comes in every way. I ain't got no time for nobody. My style is rich. Dope fat in which. We'll make a cake today that looks rich. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. M-I-X the flour into the bowl. Making a cake, yes, means you've got to try. I'm doing this for years, but don't ask me why. Butter, butter, butter joins the bowl. We're making this a cake that you've never seen before. I mean, it is a seafood cake, so of course we've never seen it before. Yeah. yeah. Heat up the oven. Now we're on a roll. Cheap, cheap, cheap's the name of my soul. The other day I was called a little turkey, but I'm a chicken on it, you beef jerky. <laughs> All right. Put the cake in the oven for a while. I mean, a while. I mean, this is a cake. <laughs> we need specifics. Can... Yeah. 180 for 20 minutes? And it's seafood. Seafood can be dangerous if you don't cook it, right? You know. uh, leave, so leave it there. Come on, clean the pile. Here I got a little sample, because ample time's just what we don't have. That None of that even makes sense. A chicken in the kitchen is making all the sound. The cake is done while we were sitting around. All we've got to do is apply the final touches. Take out the shrimp, the clam, and the purchase. So so they never told us to put the shrimp, clam, and purchase even in it to begin with, and now we're taking them out. Sure. Why would you take them out of the cake after you've baked them? So they can infuse with the Oh, taste. is that what it is? Yeah. So you just think it's a seafood infusion? Yeah. That's right. what's going on. The perch goes here, the clam goes there, the little tiny shrimps just go everywhere. Whatever you like's in the middle fiddle, Seafood cake comes just like the riddle. 
But if you if you reach cool on this and you start doing freestyle, you could actually get Parappa to say MIX the crack into the ball. Oh, for Parappa's 25th anniversary, PlayStation Japan actually made a tweet of how to make seafood cake in real life. Mm. Oh. And I'd look and, at uh, this. Try that down. Well, I'd look at it. It includes clips from the game interspersed with like someone making the cake for real. But, <laughs> but I translated the text in the tweet with Google. Right. And you'll have to bleep this. <laughs> but I've got to read it because the, the, tweet, oh. the tweet is just... Mwah. This is this is what the tweet actually says. Translated from Japanese. This recipe video is seafood cake from Parappa Rapper. Not the rapper, just Parappa Rapper. In commemoration of the 25th anniversary of the release, Mr. Chicky will teach you the recipe of Stupid Horses for <laughs> Vomit Horse. Please take a look. <laughs> what? Jesus. What? <laughs> just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Wow. Definitely a belief in that. Yeah. So they they go have this picnic party, don't they? It all seems to be going well. Uh, Parappa starts stuffing himself with this cake. So he's made the cake and then he's just ended up eating it all anyway. But then Katie Cat is like a a wingman and she drags PJ Berry away. So then Parappa and Sonny can have some alone time. But oh no, the cake begins to get its revenge. Must have been that shrimp. Yep. So Parappa's stomach starts doing somersaults and he is to go to the bathroom. Parappa I mean, the Crapper. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I mean, I told you that he hadn't cooked it enough, you know. In an interesting turn of events, Parappa's discomfort leads Sonny to believe that he looks more manly. I think she started to fall for it. But Parappa's getting a bit mad now and so he desperately tries to find a petrol station, which he does, and he spins around the back and he's greeted coincidentally by all four people who he's previously wrapped with who are waiting in a queue for the toilet. And then they have to have a series of rap battles to make it to the toilet. That's how, that's how you jump the queue. You don't, you don't wait. Yeah. You rap battle with them until you get to the front. We need that in real life. That's <laughs> so, it. I'd, I'd get in on that. Yeah. So speaking with Chop Chop Onion, he says, I need to go just as bad as you. What I had this morning, I don't even want to say to you. Kick, punch, turn and chop the door. Or I will fall to the floor. And then we got to Mussolini. Uh, 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 no way. I've been sitting in my car, yes, now for days. Did you check the toilets on the right? Did you check the toilets on the left? Prince Police Wall, ribbit, ribbit, I can't hold it. The last toilet I had, I'd already sold it. In the rain or in the snow, I got the funky flow, but now I really got to go up. The toilets over there will bring you luck, so give up. I got no time to spare. And then we got, finally, we got a cheap cheap. It says, walk the walk. Even if you can't just talk the talk, I got a call. I am a chicken from the kitchen, and I ain't kidding, although nothing is written. Crack, break, fix the door, you know, I got to go. So, yes, open up, you know. Uh, this actually, this is another song that samples a real song as well. Mm. So, this is one called Fire Eater by a band called Three Dog Night. Okay. And if you get cool on this, the, the line clears. So, everyone backs out of the queue. And Prepper dashes to the toilet. But then he ends up in like some sort of psychedelic world. And the toilet's like moving away from him on some rails. You gotta chase after it. <laughs> but yeah, after finally emptying in his bowels, he returns to the car and disaster. Sonny is disappointed that he's turned back into the old Parappa. <gasps> so the sacrifice for love. Give yourself diarrhea power. Uh, so Parappa returns home to find he has an invitation in the post. To the opening of Club Fun. Very original name there. Mm. Uh, but you can bring a guest. So who does he invite? 
Is that a course? No, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> Him so, and Joe Chet on the pole. <laughs> so he goes to pick her up and he's greeted by Sonny's dad. Was a plant pot for Ed. Makes sense, I guess. Uh, but he proves a parappa. And they set off to part A. Oh, um, I thought we were going to have to rap for a, to get his dad's um, approval. Yeah, there is a trick there, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it turns out that everyone's been invited to this bloody party anyway, so I don't even know why he felt like he got a special invitation. So then Prepper is then hauled up on the stage in this club by MC King Kong Mushe. There was this weird beetle thing. I, to be honest, I think this, I think this was the worst level in the whole game. <laughs> But yo, yo, check this out. It's party time, party time in the house. Everybody, I'm wondering how you're feeling out there. Are you feeling good? We're going to put on the show. It's just nonsense. What you going to do when they come? I got to redeem. What you going to do when they come? I got to relieve. What you going to do when they come? I got to receive. You got to do what? You got to do what? Believe. There we go. But, but following that, there's no actual conclusion to the game, really. It's just like the party ends. And oh. that's, that's, that's like the end of the game. Was that... <laughs> so, well, they were they were setting it up for number two, leaving it on a cliffhanger. Well, there was a, there's well at the end of the credits, I think there's a little tease of that, a prepper flying in the air with a cape. I mean, I don't remember it turning into a superhero at the end of this game, but no, that was just the LSD they got in Toilet Sink Club. <laughs> <laughs> but if you achieve cool status on every level, you didn't look at an odd secret level called KT. And the Sunny Funny Band. So all it is is Sunny and Katie Cat dancing on a table, surrounded by a bunch of people, and you just rotate and zoom the camera around. This seem a bit seen it. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, because that's literally all you do. There's no lyrics. They're just dancing to music on a table, being watched by people. Just some reviews. Oh yeah. Okay. So play- PSM PlayStation Magazine from October 1997. Gave it a score of 100. Wow. And they said this. Trying to convince many of today's action-hungry gamers to invest in a game that stars a cartoon dog who raps against an onion, a moose, a frog, and a chicken is a, pre- is a pretty hard sell. It ain't no picnic to describe the gameplay either. Still, we'll give it a try. It's a kind of memory game, only with the added element of rhythm. And then GameSpot gave it 85. Said Parappa is undeniably cute and hip. The ideal PlayStation mascot in that he's so universally acceptable and non-threatening. Many have purchased PlayStation solely on the basis of seeing Parappa, just to find their purchases as toys their families could enjoy. For the record, chick stick Parappa too. So if having a cute game means you can convince your otherwise game-loathing girlfriend to pick up a controller, it's all good. That's so 90s. (laughs) It is, isn't it? But did you see the, um, they released a series of adverts? which featured Parappa and Crash Bandicoot. Really? Yeah. yeah. And they shared a house together. Oh, that's nice. It was... Mm, there's a compilation video on YouTube. Check it out. They were a bit odd. But did you, but did you know there was a Parappa anime series? Yeah, I did see this. There was a, it was the TV series. Mm. Yeah, it ran for 30 episodes. Wow. And they can be found on YouTube as well. Hmm. I found it difficult to get past the opening credits, to be honest. <laughs> I really did. I think there was also a musical, wasn't there, that they did? I, I don't know about that, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did. What's your thoughts on Prepper, anyway? What's your memories of it? Difficult. Anyway. <laughs> it, to be honest, it's, it wasn't easy. 
it it really wasn't. I don't, I don't have too many memories. I remember uh, I got the the demo for it. I remember trying to play it when I was young and thinking this was this was pretty difficult. Mm. Uh, it wasn't straightforward on on what the game required you to do. So yeah, it's um it was a bit of a hard sell when I was younger. <laughs> Definitely likes the um the graphics though. I thought they were, they were pretty yeah. unique at the time. Yeah, I can't think of many other games that were like that. Well, they did re-release it. They re-released it for PS4, didn't they? With they did. 4K support. I think that that was for the anniversary. Yeah. That's good. Delicious. Ah. I'd give that another go then. Hmm. I think it might have only been in the US, actually, just looking at it. Or Japan. What's that? But you can, the, you can do um, PS4's multi-territory um, anyway, so it can still work. I mean, you know the struggles that I had with it. <laughs> Honestly, I must have tried to get the, past the first stage a hundred times. There's just something about it. Because even if you hit the points perfectly, I think it wants you to do it just after, you know, to kind of try and push your luck with it. I think that's what it wants you to do. So, But if you know that, I would not be able to do it. Because crap at rhythm games, that's why. <laughs> but you know <laughs> buttons. Yeah, but it's, what happens with me is I'll get one wrong and then when they'll model me up. What's happened is when it comes up with X, you press the circle, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So any anything <laughs> that comes up with X or triangle, then I'm clicking circle. circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it, Mark. You've sussed it. I'm going to go and complete it now. There we go. Yep, there we go. But hey, you might, you know... You finished the second level, didn't you? Yeah. Well, there you go. Complete the third one, and that's it. You complete the game if you play it on easy, aren't you? That's it, yeah. There you go. Get, give me that platinum now. Even though you can't get any trophies on PSP, but hey-ho. But I didn't find out until, like, a few years ago that there even was a sequel. Was there? Yeah, Prep of the Rapper 2. I spoke about it quite a few, uh, quite a few weeks ago. Let's have a look. Oh, yeah, for PS2. I didn't even know that exists. I suppose they even bought it back in the day. You bought it subsequently. Have you got it now? Oh yeah, I tr- yeah, tried it a few months ago, and it did not go well. It's quite expensive. Hmm, it's like forty-five quid. Is it even more difficult than the first game then? Well, I can't guess, but I could get past the first level on it. So, yes. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Give that one a miss. That one a miss then. It, it's fun though. I'll give it that. Like all the characters are all zany, yeah. and it's just a nice game. It's a nice game. Yeah. Yeah. There's no malice, apart from having to beat everyone to get to the front of the queue for the toilet. We don't physically beat them. No, no, no. <laughs> beat them verbally. It's just like we can learn a lot from proper the rapper. I just think we should do rap battles a lot more. With people, yeah, to settle disputes. Mm, use them, yeah. Do rap, not war. <laughs> exactly. We'll end on that. <laughs> More rap, less war. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at jokingdover.com where we post the whole thing. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. 
Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. See you later. I think so. This might answer your question. It's about <laughs> I don't know what. Um, let me just. Right, she's not listening now. I didn't that into the bloopers. <laughs> Bloody hell, Alexa. <laughs>